and welcome to episode number 14 of The Third Power. We're here today. Uh, it's myself, and we have a few other people with us today. Of course, we have Usman Jamil, as usual. Howdy. It is me. Hey. We also have a couple of guest stars with us today. Uh, the first person we brought along is a good friend of mine from Phoenix, Arizona, is Adam Prozac. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Sweet. I'm so excited. And we also, uh, sorry, not only that, we also have uh, Battle of Wits and Attacking for Two Master Kenny Mayer here as well. Hey, how's it going, y'all? Sweet. So there's four of us here. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Uh, today's topic, we're going to talk about, basically, you know, if you guys have seen the name of the episode, it's You're Doing It Wrong. And all we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the most common mistakes we see when people are cubing. Uh, not only things that we see other people doing, but things that, you know, we've all done ourselves. Um, hopefully we've grown out of it some, and we're here to help you grow out of it too. Uh, but you know what? There's so much to it. We had to bring some extra people on. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy the, uh, us talking back and forth. So, uh, anything you want to add, guys? Let's crack a pack. Let's do it. All right. So for, uh, let's start. We'll do our crack a pack here. Uh, we'll start. We'll do my cube. Uh, my cube is about 540 cards, unpowered, uh, no fast mana. I did include some, uh, of the new Phyrexia cards as well, so I don't know if those are going to come up or not. I guess there's one way to find out. Here we go. All right, guys, here we go. Card number one, Acroma, Angel of Wrath. Mm. Card number two, <laughs> Gruel Signet. Yay. Card three, oh, so close, Adam, Windbreast Heights. Oh, man. I like it. I like it. Ambivalent Card reaction. number four, Braids Cabal Minion. I like that one. Card number five. Ooh, spicy. Ravages of War. Now that gets me excited. Card, <laughs> Card number six. Master of the Wild Hunt. Card number seven. Phyrexian Arena. Card number eight. My favorite sideboard card of all time. Mana Leak. <laughs> card number nine. A card that gets Usman excited. Deep Analysis. <laughs> You know, I'd, I'd certainly like to draw two. <laughs> That's what I heard about you. Although people have said your specimen is broken, but I don't, I don't know. I might just probably know. Um, card number ten, Bone Shredder, sticking with our penis theme. Um, well, I guess we can keep. I guess we can keep going. Card number eleven, Gitu Fire. Oh man, I know. thought it was going to be Bone Horde. <laughs> no, but but Gitu Fire could be a, a way to talk about venereal disease. All right, card number twelve. Gerard's Verdict. This is a very black and white pack. Card number 13, Carnophage. Card number 14, Venser Shaper Savant. And card number 15, <laughs> Umazawa's Jitta. Oh, so should we figure out what the best of the other 14 would be? <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. I don't know if you know this. We don't have a choice. This is true. Oh. In my cube, you actually don't have a choice because cube rules got to pick them as I was Jetta first. So nice crack pack. I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and toss that one to the side. Let's pull one out of uh, let's pull a, a mysterious card fifteen out of my cube here. Someone get a drum roll, please. You guys suck at drum rolls. <laughs> card fifteen. Hey, Grave Titan. Hmm. All right. Interesting. 
All right. So we have, once again, a, a pack with a lot of black cards. We have uh, Carnifage, Grave Titan, Bone Shredder, Frexian Arena, Braids. Uh, blue cards, we have Venser, Manalik, Deep Analysis. Um, green cards, we only have one, is the Master of the Wild Hunt. One red card with Gitu Fire. Uh, a land with Windbreast Kites, a Gruul Signet for mana. We have, uh, in white, we also have a Chroma Angel of Wrath, Ravages of War, and of course, Gerard's Verdict is our multicolor card. Alright guys, what's the pick gonna be if it's not Umisawa's Jitta? Uh, personally, uh, I would take the Ravages of War. It's the, it's the, it's clearly the most, like, game swinging card. And I feel like uh, Armageddon, same card. Uh, Armageddon effects uh, are just uh, backbreaking in general. I, that's my pick. Yeah, I, I, I can't possibly disagree with you. I mean, we've Ravages has come up on a on a previous crack and pack, and it's just like there's exactly what you said. It's just such backbreaking effects. I can't I can't pick anything else here with the jit not in the back. I mean, I I don't like I'm not a I'm not an equipment fan in general. Like I'd almost take the ravages over the jet. Like, cause if you if you think about it, you if you have a creature that's going to connect, why not do it while they have no lands? Right, you'll have a creature that'll connect next turn and every turn after that because they have no lands, as opposed to just making a creature way sweet. Yeah, but the argument can be made though that like you taste good at all stages of the game, even when you're behind. Right. While ravages is only truly at its best when you're ahead. Not not gonna lie, obviously I would pick the ravages here as well, but Gta is just it's it's a filthy card. So with a Gta list pack, what do you think, Kenny? Oh, it's definitely ravages. That that card, I'll, I'll first pick that thing all the time. That or that the thing is, I think this pack's really easy. I don't even like a lot of the other cards in the pack. Like, the other cards that seem interesting to me that I would consider, like, wanting, actively wanting for my deck is, like, Grave Titan, Braids. That's about it. Venser, too. But those are the Yeah, like, Venser would be fine if you're, you know, if you're addicted to drafting blue cards. Which, like, like the only card would take Venser. But I, I is like a nice, it's one of your 23 cards, as opposed to like what you want to kick off a draft with. Right, like, I feel like Ravages is just way too, way too strong of a, a pick one, pack one statement. Yeah. But also like, Cube is a very uh, personal thing, and the way I, at least the way I draft Cube is I want my first couple picks to give me a direction with the deck. Mm-hmm. I do Makes not sense. like being flexible, like, and, and, in, like, real formats or, like, you know, like, Scars Draft or whatever, I actively want to stay flexible early on. But in, in Cube, since the power level is so high, I don't want to stay flexible. Yeah, you just want to dig your heels and... and uh, oh, get yeah, I want, I want something to help me differentiate between, like, two very good cards in the next pack. Or two or three or, you know, ten good cards in the next pack. Yeah, it makes sense. How about you, Usman? I'm taking uh, a Chroma. It makes me really open, and I can totally splash that card in every deck. <laughs> you can play it with your in your aggro deck. That's true. I'll totally play an well, aggro. But uh, for serious uh, ravages. Well, this, you guys uh, want to this episode one? is you're doing it wrong. I, I would be, yes. There we go. 
Do you guys want to do another one? I mean, that one seemed really simple. That one's lame. Yeah, let's do another one. These All are right. fun. All right, let me let me pull out another pack here. All right, here we go. All right, so pack two. That one was pretty easy. Hopefully, Hopefully one will end in it. Hopefully this one will be a little bit harder. All right, here we go. Uh, number one, Doomblade. Number two, Countryside Crusher. Number three, hey, Maloku the Clouded Mirror. Oh, jeez. Number four, Starstorm. Number five, Uktabi Orangutan. Number six, Plated Geopede. Number seven, Thrung the Last Troll. Number eight, Nantuko Shade. Number nine, Treetop Village. Number ten, Temple Garden. Sorry, in Japanese, took me a second. Okay. I had to translate it real quick. And number 11, Avalanche Riders. Number 12, Black Sun Zenith. Hmm. Number 13, we have, sorry, brain's not working quite right, Void Slime. Number 14, Hinder. And number 15, Mirroring Crusader. You know, the funny thing is we did another pack because the first one was, like, really easy. Yeah. <laughs> I like this one. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys are all going to take uh, Maloku. Yeah. I kind of like I, Mirroring Crusader, too, but... Temple Garden. Temple Garden's also good. You want to throw that one out there? If it was a win I'd, I'd snap pick it. I'm actually, uh, yeah, I'm not actually on Meliku here. Like, I've I've had a lot of success with Marin Crusader and Thrun. Like, I mean, I, I like Meliku a lot. Like, she definitely, or he, it, sorry, he it. definitely uh, wins games. But uh, I don't know these 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 new rares that they've been printing. Thrun and Marin Crusader are just they're incredibly good. Yeah, Marin Crusader is just incredibly efficient. He's just like. Yeah, I probably gushed about him on the show plenty of times, but yeah, he's just really, really freaking efficient. And by efficient, you mean just like blatantly overpowered? But yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the person who you know on those those old commercials that had like twelve fingers who could type like twice as fast as everybody else. <laughs> I don't know if you yeah, saw it's those. Like, it's yeah, the power of ten, man, not the power of twelve. Well, they took a, a nice card, Paladin, in fact, updated it for a modern age, and I just uh, casually tacked on Double Strike. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, yeah, why not? I uh, double. First, it's like when they did with the, uh, what was that, the the Grey Ogre in Zendikar, that it was like one in a black, and they accidentally made it two in a black. Mindless Null, and they were just like, okay, let's roll with it. It's probably just that same thing. They're like, yeah, first strike, uh, uh, sure, double. No, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mindless. You know, Miracle Crusader makes me think of Mindless Snow. <laughs> and it does. They're very similar cards. Oh yeah. <laughs> Don't underestimate the power of how Usman's mind works. Yeah, my brain, man. It's like it's very unlikely that Mindless Snow will ever block a Miracle Crusader. <laughs> a lot of things have to go on. <laughs> you have to like change its color. And have to get it. Get a vampire? Yeah. Is that what you gotta do? Is there a vampire or yeah. No, he was. So if you I get a color changing vampire in play, that's. There we go. <laughs> you can, you can jump block me with Crusader. So, so we'd have to have a Kavu chameleon with a mirror entity in play? 
That's plausible. That's, you know. So you, so you can make it a vampire and then no, change the color? No, can't make Mindless Null uh, different colors. Comic Camille can only make itself different colors. You need, like, a blind seer. Or, like, what was it? Not Dream Thrush. Is it was a blind, is blind seer the one I'm thinking of? That yeah, blind changes. seer changes colors. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> so with that in mind, what's everybody picking? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll stick to Maloku, but yeah, Mirror and Crusader and Thrawn are definitely good, but you know, I'll stick to Temple Garden. Fair enough. I'm uh, I'm on the the Crusader. All right, God, I kind of like crushing cunts, countrysides rather, <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard for me not to pick Maloku here, just because you know, it's Maloku, and I can put it in any deck. Yay, Oot. Maloku. I wish I made two twos, though. Well, if you get in Spanish. Yeah, we're working on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with Moloku here. I mean, I, I'm re- I'm down with... I, I really like Mirren Crusader a lot, too. But I think we'll take That's this. That's a fine pick if you like spells. Yeah. We'll we'll take the single blue over the double white right now, I think. So, all right. Well, that was at least a little more interesting than the other one. So. Yeah, that's a good pack. I like that pack. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. At least well, nobody takes Void Slime over Hinder. <laughs> but dude, it does so much more. I get to stifle their fetch lands. That's good in legacy, right? Right? Well if they uh Utabi orangutan, your artifact. So if you liquid metal coating your Jace to equip it to your Gideon with Bludgeon <laughs> Ball, <laughs> you could Aether violin your orangutan. And kill it. Okay. But not if they have Void Slime. Oh, but if they have Void Slime, right, you're screwed. Yeah. Alright, that's enough of that line of play. <laughs> Alright, well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit before we get into our main topic. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, any sort of, um, new Phyrexia cards that you guys have had experience. We've, we, we were talking about a, a couple in passing, but I haven't had a chance to really cube with any of these cards yet, but I know Usman and Kenny have, so. Do you guys want to share anything that you found are surprises or not surprises or stories or anything? Um, Batter Skull is just as ridiculous as it is in Constructed. Uh, pretty obvious, obviously, but... Uh, um, just use obviously in twice in the same sentence? I did. And it's, oh, on, it's recorded now, too. That's oh, how dude. good it is. I it's so cut. obvious, obviously. I, I could add a couple extra in post. <laughs> oh, this is true. <laughs> Like, uh, Kenny, what's so been trying to tell me is that the Baneslayer angel that can rebuy itself or attach itself to something else is good. Kind of like, kind of like Jason to a Gideon. Baneslayer right. angel onto something else. <laughs> hmm, interesting. Hey, Kenny, what's been your experience with the Molten Steel Dragon? Because I've been a fan of that, like, so far. What, how's your experience been? Um... I have seen it in a cube draft once or so, but I wasn't playing it, and uh, it looked like it was doing good things. I don't think it got, like, I'm pretty sure it got the hit for most or all of the life. And uh, my other, like, outside of cube, I played it in a sideboard of a constructed deck yesterday at a PTQ, and uh, I only got it in one game, but it did all of it. So, I mean, I, I like the card. I think it's very powerful. Um, it's open to a lot of removal, you know, creature and artifact, but uh, the upside is it, if you untap and swing, it's very possibly that you can just end the game right then and then. One one hit. One hit kill. What's, what's a good 
what's a good card to compare it to? Like historically um, speaking. I don't know. It felt kind of like maybe like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Psychotalk might be pretty close comparison. But uh it, I mean it's good in red decks. I mean it feels a little like like Cargon Dragon Lord and just it's just really powerful red card that Okay. But I mean, I mean, they're a little different, obviously. I mean, I keep sure, using that sure. word. I'm well, going to have to work on my repertoire here. All right. Well, I wonder too. Like it, it just has to change in my mind, in the testing in my mind. It just makes me feel like it should change the way people are playing games. Because if the math works out, you just can't tap out against it, or else you're dead. Mm-hmm. Like you, have you, to, you can't like do nothing and let it hit you. Well, Not right. say tap out. You can't like ignore it for a turn. Right, exactly. Or, or the thing is, too, is, I mean, don't you have to, even if you don't have a removal spell, I mean, I guess you could. I mean, it seems like if you just tap out, you're just guaranteeing yourself dead. Like, you almost have to just keep mana back to represent that you might be able to do something about it. I mean, because maybe some people won't just moot shove on it. I would. Every I mean, I, I I think I would, too, but I bet you there are people who won't, which yeah. fits fits well, I think, with our topic today. We call them fish. <laughs> Who but plays their own cards? But but I see people playing with the fear all the time. I mean, I win plenty of games of Magic just because I'm like, oh, okay. If my if my opponent just does this and this like he's supposed to, like I'm just dead. And instead, they're just like, oh, well, I I wonder if he has this, and I wind up being able to actually win the game because they didn't kill me when they had the chance. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> because you play blue decks a lot, though. You get that you get that uh that option right there. I'm playing all these red and white cards, so uh just all in all the time, it seems like. But but I know what you're saying. If people just do that a lot, though. They're just like, you're like, man, I'm so dead if they just attack with everything here. And they're like, oh, well, I don't want to die in case they have a trick to a counterattack. So I'm going to do this. I mean, that's how I won one of my rounds at the the Invitational Legacy tournament that I top eight with Survival. My Goblin's opponent just should have killed me game three, but instead, like, tried to hold back slightly in case I had something, and I just killed him because of it on the next turn. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Like, just get in there, you know? Who ca- if they have it, who cares? You go to the next game. <laughs> like, all right, we, you passed to my guy and then bolted me. All right, next game. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, we tried. At least the game only lasted five turns. Plenty of time to get more in. Well, the two players play each other for 800 turns. <laughs> Of people who don't play control decks very often, so when they're in the cube, they just take forever. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a reason why Adam and I started carrying around like planes, the plane shift or planes. What are those things called? The oh. plane chase cards. Plane chase. Yeah. Would, like plane shift. No, that's it. Yeah. To to play like multiplayer while like the two control players are like derping around because they can't figure out how to kill each other. <laughs> yeah. The the match that's important. Yeah. The one round that's going on while every other uh, match in the uh, cube finishes up, just waiting for them. Right. Like, everyone's played everybody else, and, like, yeah. the one match from the first round is still going on. Yep. No, I know what you're talking about there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know a few uh, dozen people like that. <laughs> <laughs> Happens so much. Any other, uh, any other new Phyrexia cards you guys have had a chance to play with? I mean, it, it seems very obvious to say that the, the two equipment cards are dumb, but I didn't know if you guys had come across, like, or try anything like Noxious Revival or uh, Spellskite. Yeah, I was interested to see if anybody had played Spellskite. 
I have it. I included it in mine since I was able to pick up a foil one the day before the price exploded. I figured I would I would get it in there and give it a run and see how it works. In my normal constructed play, like uh, what little of it I've actually played is uh, that card seems just really good. Like if you remember Coalition and Honor Guard from back in the day, that card was nigh unbeatable. Right. That, and and I think I actually specifically mentioned that card in my my cube article doing the review for the set. I'm just like, man, I remember how hard it was to beat a Coalition Honor Guard, and it's no, like, it's got a very similar feel to it. Yeah, like um, like that's that's a card that I am choosing right now to hold out of my cube because like the aggressive decks I feel struggle enough as it is due to the size of my cube, and uh, that card is oh. um, amazing against aggro like. I, when I was playing uh, constructed PTQs, that card I was like, I, I should be pretty good against Goblin now with uh, Mono Red, but now that they've taken out Gideon from their deck, but uh, Spell Sky combined with Batter Skull is just, it's it's near impossible to win these days. Like Spell Sky is just amazing against the aggressive strategies. Jeez. Well, one one of my uh, first, uh, in fact, my first Spell Sky experience. Uh, I was playing a Grixis Splinter Twin deck, and uh, against a Mono Red opponent, I couldn't find a Deceiver Exarch to save my life. So I actually just locked my opponent with Splinter Twin on the Spellskite. Oh, wow. What? Yeah, it's pretty much impossible to beat. Yeah. I can't think, like, I couldn't think of combinations of cards. Like, you would need four cards or whatever. You would need an army. Right. Wow. <laughs> Like, all of his burn spells do nothing. I ended up killing him with, like, a creeping tar pit. Nice. Just because I had that much time. Yeah. Killing the red player with the man lands is always nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had, like, I've put spell sky in, but I haven't had a chance to to use it yet. Unfortunately. Yeah, I have a feeling in about, in about two weeks there's going to be a whole lot of uh, cubing going on. That's very well, true. There better be. So... I'm sure yeah. we'll, get, we'll get plenty of uh, of data then. So, <laughs> all right. Well, what about uh, some of the M12 stuff that that they've previewed so far? You guys, I actually had one more uh, card. I, I was wondering what's the what's the three two pro red guy, Volshock Refuge? Is that uh, red one? Yeah. Oh, people, have you tried him out in Cube? Has he been all right? I've, I've heard people talk about him. It seems like. Seems like a great stable stag type card. You know what I mean? Only for like, like pro red is definitely better than any other pro color. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I was saying like, I mean, as we're about to, we're about to discuss that uh, red three drops are not very good. Agree on there that are too. very very few red three drops that are remotely playable. So I was just wondering if anybody had considered playing uh, the 3-2 pro red guy. No. I, I Actually, I'm looking at the card now and actually don't ever remember seeing this card. Maybe. Like my, my problem... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, maybe... I, I just think that card is very, very, like... Just nobody's talking about it. Like, I mean, granted, nobody... Like, in a world of, like, constructed or whatever, like, sucks against Spellskite. So probably terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody wants pro red anymore. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, red's just irrelevant. Yeah, 
Yeah, like the the second red in it, it has two red in its cost, right? Yeah, yeah one red, red. Yeah, yeah that's 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 what kind of kills it. I like, I think, I mean, it's, it definitely has potential. Don't get me wrong, I don't want to write it off, but the uh, the fact that it has to go in a heavy red deck, like if you're drafting in the cube, kind of limits how good it would be against other decks due to the fact that you're probably heavy into that color. Like, right. That, that's a good point. It's nice with like the wildfires and earthquakes and stuff like that, but yeah, I, I just. I can't think of what. So that's the other thing. We get some built-in synergy. We're like, I mean, I keep comparing it to Great Stable Stack, but like, I never feel like Great Stable Stack is what I want out of the green deck. Whereas I would love a Great Stable Stack that was red. Yeah, I would totally love a red Great Stable Stack, like pro white and blue, and couldn't be countered. What about pro red? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like silver elemental. Yeah, like I, I can definitely see the point of the wildfire decks. Like, I mean, it definitely has some nice synergy with that with that kind of deck for sure. Unless yeah, some like the slower red decks are really bad against the faster red decks. Yeah, because they're like, I'll cast mana rocks, and like, and then the other guys like, I'll just kill you. Like, I'll cast yeah, jackal pub. Yeah, getting there with hell sparks and whatever. It's like, oh, <laughs> but I can cast wildfire now. Well, I mean, I think it's, like, a good card for, like, larger cubes that include sideboards. Like, yeah, if, you, if you allow people to sideboard. Yeah. yeah, I could see that. That that seems like one, like an almost definite night food. If you have more room, if you just have more room for cards, then you allow people to draft sideboardable cards. Right, I mean, I think it's better than, like, the crossing grips and stuff I see in a lot of cubes. Yeah. It's a fair point. Oh, we'll have to, uh, to think about that. Speaking of three drops in red. Right. The M12 stuff. Yeah. First off, I see people complaining. I mean, granted, it's the internet. I see people complaining. The sky is blue. Yeah. But about the whole quote-unquote dies thing, I think dies is awesome. It's so much better than is put into the graveyard from the battlefield. Like, <laughs> that way... They can fit more here's, how I, here's how I judge uh, new, like, keywords, I guess. The, the fewer words they need to describe something, the better it is. Yes. Yeah. That's why I hate Battlefield. Because it's a much longer word than... That has a lot of syllables in it. In play. <laughs> yeah. Comes into play. Right. I think at this point with stuff like Battlefield, I pretty much just mentally filter it when like, I see Acidic Slime. It's like, when Acidic Slime enters the battlefield, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, when it comes into play, whatever. And it's like the same thing with dies. Like, I, it makes the wording make sense, but I'm just going to mentally filter it. You know, it's the same well, thing. The, well, the thing is, when you, if somebody asks you, like, the, the preview card is Archon of Justice. It's like, if somebody asks you, like, tell me what on the spot what Archon of Justice does. So four well, when, five, when it dies, you vindicate something. Ball, yeah, you get the ball of a And it's yeah, very natural wording. But, yeah, something like Battlefield. Like, who says Battlefield? Like, Pat Benatar? <laughs> <laughs> like, I just can't wait for them to keyword blow it up. They're going to keyword destroy. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think, I don't know. Like, I think that's fine. Like, I remember thinking, like, some of the keywords, like, lifelink and death touch were kind of 
they seemed kind of odd, but, you know, they're now, like, second nature. Those, I think, are perfect. And I think Dyes is kind of in that vein. It's just like, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's very natural. It's like, yeah, like you said, when you, what does Archon of Justice do? When this dies, blah, 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 blah. When Worm Coil Engine dies, blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, okay, that's how people talk anyway. Exactly. Right, you don't talk to people and they're like, well, when, uh, actually, the Nami, when the, uh, Dark kind of justice dies. They uh, when it uh, gets removed, it gets put into the graveyard from the battlefield that uh, <laughs> destroys a uh, target permanent. You know, like nobody ever describes it that way. So I think that's a very good change, personally. Right. I, I, I I didn't necessarily yeah. like the removal of Burry. I understand why they did it, did it all those years ago, but I don't know. Burry made sense to me, but I guess it wasn't as instinctual. But this feels much more instinctual. Yeah. Well, like, I think it's like the good analogy is like, uh, exile. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's much cleaner than remove from game. Right. Yeah. This is very true. What about, yeah. uh, hexproof? Did you guys ever see, uh, Cannibal the Musical? Did not. Uh, uh, of course not. Oh, <laughs> uh, you guys make me sad. But yeah, it was, one, it was like a, it was like a spoof musical that, uh. You don't say. Well, okay, a smooth musical done by the guys from South Park, Train Map, and like one I of the thought, songs. I thought this was an old uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein secret musical. That, that's you know that's where they uh, or it could have been but, I don't written know. right after Oklahoma. Yeah, and like right like one of the songs that was cut from the final movie was called like Shatterproof, and it was like a parody of Vanilla Ice. And I can't help but think of that every time I see Hexproof. It's like thinking of terrible Vanilla Ice and whatever. So. At least that'll make me giggle. And the other At least it didn't just, make you think of Mindless Null. Well, you never know. See, yeah, that's how my brain works. I think of Hexproof, I think of Vanilla Ice. I mean, come on. Okay, if you didn't know what Hexproof does, if you didn't already read the article, if, like, when when you said Hexproof for the first time, like, this guy has Hexproof, what do you think it does? I honestly have no idea. No it's idea. got, you can't exactly. do something to it. Like, my first thought was, it can't have counters removed for from it because all the hex cards we've seen recently all have to deal with removing counters. Yeah, like my first reaction is I'm completely stumped, and if I thought about it, I'd be like, uh, it can't be proliferated. So I guess like can't have like, counters on it. It just or? makes no sense. Like I'm definitely much worse on hex proof. Yeah, and if you don't know what hex proof is yet, we should probably let everybody know what hex proof actually does. It's it's troll shroud. Your your opponents cannot target it, but you can. Right. What it, you know, basically, asceticism. The card gives all your guys hexproof. Well, it's kind of like how like some people call type two standard, or I mean, some people call standard type two still, myself included. I'm just gonna keep calling it troll shroud. I don't know. I'm yeah, stand. It's like yeah, yeah. Hexproof. Yeah, it just doesn't. I don't know, maybe it'll just jive eventually, but, like, I, I never say battlefield, that's for sure. Like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I only use the, the keywords that make sense. Yeah, like, I still say, like you were saying, I still say comes into play. I don't say yeah, enter the battlefield. Enter the battlefield is stupid. So I use comes into play. But I'll definitely say dies. Yeah. I mean, you probably already do. Make two, 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 three, three. Stuff dies. To Doom Blade. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Tarmogoyf. That card's terrible because it just dies, dies to everything. 
think I said on Twitter, I was like, no. if people... That's his keyword. Time, time of Guys now has an ability other than an <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's keywords are enormous and dies. <laughs> when Parmoglyph dies, put it in the graveyard. <laughs> having a vanilla creature. <laughs> All right. I, I think they should make a keyword for uh, Tarmogoyth. It was like, if this was printed three years ago, it would be minus two, minus two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was printed during masks. It would just, it would, I don't know, it'd be a permanent one, two. If this card were mythic, add $30 to its cost. <laughs> yeah. What about the, uh, well, what about some of the cards from it? They showed, we mentioned the three drop earlier. There's, uh, Chandra's Phoenix. Yeah. I Chandra's Phoenix is really exciting if you like having fun when playing Magic. Like, it seems like a nice value card. Like, I think it's perfect for the cube. Exactly. I think it's one of those cards that's going to be a hundred times better in a cube than it is in Constructed. Agreed. It just does everything red wants. Just like the lack of nice three drops that stick around, the the value of being able to get it back, the fact that, you know, you're actually getting a, a hasty, evasive attacker to go with your, you know, your first, your t- first turn two plays. Yeah. I like the fact that they added the Planeswalker doing a damage to something. I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, so we were talking earlier about, like, yeah, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you can chandra Noir them and get it back. You can also suck in the mad them. Deal them a bunch of damage from your dragons and then get your guy back. Right, and then cast it and attack them and kill them. <laughs> because the 15 you did or whatever wasn't enough. <laughs> now you did 17. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have any dragons anymore. You have to like make your own dragons. You don't have like dragon synergy. Yeah, well, what if what if you ultimate the first Sarkin and then play the yeah. second one, and then dome them for twenty and get your guy back? Right. And if they're at twenty two, <laughs> they're dead. Is it kind That's, of like yeah. Phoenix is insane? It's kind of like an automatic still had all these because like you bring it back and you're like I still had all this. <laughs> 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 it's built in still had all these. <laughs> even, even without Sark, even without Planeswalkers, you're just like, what are you at? Three? Okay, bolt you, return this. Right. Still had all these. <laughs> right. You're like, cast Bane Fire for seven. Make sure I put the trigger on the stack first before it resolves. That's nice. Yeah. It, it's probably one of the best built in still had all these cards. <laughs> Because, like, what if they have, like, Venser, Shaper, Savant, and you're like, Bane fire you for the win, and you don't use your trigger, and they're like, haha, suck it, return it to your hand. Oh, no, I missed my chance for the trigger. <laughs> no. Well, you have to deal the damage first. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, damn. You only get the trigger when you deal the damage. Man. <laughs> Very unlucky, I know. Ah, what a beat. <laughs> yeah. Like, when the card was spoiled last night, I thought, this card seems, it's, one of those cards I thought I would give it some testing, but I probably need a good night's sleep to just fully let the card, you know, sink in. But I gave it some testing in like a white, you know, like a Boros aggro shell, and I was a fan. Sky, like Kenny and I were talking about it before and said, he said something like, if Sky Knight Legionnaire was just red or just white, it would be very good. And 
you know, it's really good, and, you know, this is essentially that with upside. Yeah, exactly. And and I feel like the cube is the home of these type of cards. We're like, these types of, like, value cards are, are much better in cube than they are in any other format. Like, yeah. Constructed or EDH don't really have a have a place for these kind of things for the most part. Right. But, uh, for it to be good in EDH, it would have to be, like, a 6-6 six, six and cost 6. Right. Yeah. It just has to be enormous because no one gives a crap about a 2-2. Two yeah. Two. yeah, exactly. 2 damage is irrelevant. Yeah. And in Constructed, somebody's going to do something just way better than, um, like, you just can't afford to pay 3 mana for a 2-2. Two two. Yeah, you can't try to grind those little incremental advantages in Constructed anymore. Right, exactly. You have to just do something enormous. You're just like, I'll get back my guy, and they're like, okay, sword in one piece, you gain 800. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having an extra card in your hand when it dies. Yeah. <laughs> Take another one, sucker. I think it's also another really interesting I, I thought of was that it's really nice with the cards that, like, kill creatures and hit a player, like Arc Lightning, Arc. Trail. Our trail and Searing Blaze. Searing yes. Blaze. Oh, wow. People are such doubters of that card, man. I tried to spread the gospel as much as possible. You, I did, too. You got me on it. That card is good. I like it. What part of six damage for two mana didn't you like? What, what part of... Remember when you used to have to uh, reveal the top card of your library to do this? Yeah. Now you just got to play your land for the turn. <laughs> it's, it's so good. This is so much easier than winning a uh winning a clash. Winning a clash. <laughs> winning a clash out. Oh, clash out. <laughs> nice. Right. Are we, would you would you guys like to talk about what people are doing wrong? Um yeah, you need to uh make better song references. Sorry. Oh, that was good. I, I liked it. it okay. Was... Not playing steering blaze. <laughs> Point one: Put Searing Blaze if you like to attack with red creatures. And if you plan on reducing your opponent's life total to zero, play Searing Blaze. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're looking, the, at the, we're looking at like at the outline. Like one of the things we were that I had on the outline was the things like not taking land highly enough. And I know Adam like, or at least. Like, when we're t- Anthony and I were talking about it, like, I think we were talking about, like, who to have on, and I think we were talking about, I don't know, Anthony, why don't you, why don't you explain it? You're the- <laughs> Adam is, is one of the biggest proponents of lands in the cube of anyone I know. I took Temple Garden out of our Crack-A-Pack. Right. <laughs> For example, he took Temple Garden out of the Crack-A-Pack. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's one of the few... Reason, reasonable plus magic players who would ever do something like that in the cube. So I figured when we talked about people not taking lands highly enough, you know, I do drafts and I had, I'm getting like fetch lands like on the loop and I'm like yeah, doing, real. doing dances inside my head or getting like dual lands. Like that never happens with Adam in, in the draft. <laughs> uh, I've never looped a fetch land because I haven't passed it the first time. <laughs> Oh, there we go. So, so Adam, a, why should we be taking lands? <laughs> well, here's the thing about lands. They, most of them help you cast a wide variety of spells. And in most cube formats, uh, you get plenty of playables. 
it's not like real draft where you have to like, man, I only have 22 playables. You know, I gotta play that 18th land or whatever. You play the 18th land because your deck want eight, wants 18th land, 18 mm-hmm. lands. Uh, and when you sit down and you have like 35 playables in, in front of you, like, if there are 35 spells, you cut 13 of them. That's a lot. And those are 13 wasted picks that did not go into your deck. But when you take lands, say you take like, you know, seven lands, well, now you're 35 playables, like, you're going to be able to fit, you know, the 23 you want or whatever, 23, 24, 22, plus seven lands. So it's like you got, like, 30 picks into your deck. Right. Instead of people who are only getting 20-something picks out of your deck, you're actually getting 30 cube cards in your deck. Right. Just, like, it just added value to to your draft. And, like, in general, like, the lands that are in the cube are way better than basics. And there's there's not a lot of... There's not a lot of ways to punish people for playing non-basic lands that are good. Like, obviously, every cube has wasteland. But right. very few, very few have, I mean, I haven't seen any cube ever with either price of progress or back to basics. Nope. There, you, I, you I mean, I've seen, like, maybe a, one or two small. cubes with, like, ravenous baboons. Right. Uh, or sky trout elite. You get dust ball. You get the, yeah, dust uh, a, a, a real one. The morph, the morph uh, dwarven blast miner. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Sophisticates something. Yeah, the, the non-basic landwalker. Get out of here! What is that? A seven three for five? No, no, that's the two one in a green for the, a the two, two one for two. Oh, dry and sophisticate. Yeah. Oh, the the seven three has legendary landwalk. Yeah. Right. Or something like that. Yeah, the the non-basic landwalker is legitimate. But like even then, that's not very much. Right. It's. The the amount that you lose from being suspect to non basic, you know, cards is is nullified by there's two types of lands, and I love them both. There's the mana fixing type, which are crucial to some decks. Like I hate playing Boros decks with all basics. Yeah, it's miserable. Yeah. It's like, oh turn one turn one Jackal Pup, turn two pass because I can't play my, you know, Leon and Sky Hunter or whatever. Double white card I decided to play. <laughs> uh, and then the, then there's the, the spell lands. Uh, there's like the the basic, you know, wasteland, strip mine, dust bowl, like if you want. Rashad, Rashad and Port. Yeah, and then there's like, uh. Mutavolts. So like, yeah, Mutavolt, Mistress Factory, like, uh, Maze of Ith is even. I mean, it's not really a land because it doesn't make mana. But it's still like a really powerful card. Uh, yeah, I was about to say your favorite yeah. land ever. <laughs> yeah, the greatest card in the entire cube, which is Sheldock Isle. The number of stories. <laughs> Let's all share our Sheldock Isle story. Because <laughs> it's so easy. Like, have you ever put upheaval under it? Ding. No. <laughs> have you, have uh, you all ever put a Kaza like the Butcher under it? In one of the in one of Adam's and my games, I had a shell that I play. What did I have a mind slaver under it or something? Probably, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Adam was like, "Yeah, I I think I'm pretty much I think I'm pretty much dead." Or like, I think I have this game. It was something. It's like unless you have a mind slaver under your shell dock aisle, it's like end of turn shell dock aisle and mind slaver. <laughs> <laughs> Not only do you get to like save like you know eight thousand mana. Right? But you get to draw a card. And it's just insta-active. 
It's right, like having like, a Wimbers card. It's a limited card. format. <laughs> yeah, it's like having a Wimbers card and always playing the Spectral Procession on turn three. Hmm. Hey, it's like this card is always going to get active. It's like, well, wait, hold on. What color is it in the cube that makes usually the games are a little longer? You might be draw- probably drawing some cards. I'll splash Shellback Isle. Damn. Okay. I'll give a... But still, you know, it's just like, and the, and yet there are people who, to to this day, talk about how, oh, it's a win more card. I mean, no, if it means if it means you win more games total, <laughs> yes. exactly. Yeah, that's a win more. <laughs> that's what I consider it to be. That kind of win more. That's the way I feel about it. I like that. I like. I'm oh, sorry. My favorite card to put under the shell that Kyle is a bounce land. Yeah, yeah, so you can pick it up. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely happened. (laughs) That is way sweet. Well, the other thing, too, just about lands in general is, like, I mean, what's the one thing, other than being bad at magic or having a bad deck or whatever, but, like, the whole luck factor in magic, Part a big part of that is not drawing enough lands, not drawing the correct lands. You know what I mean? Like, oh... I would have been fine if I actually had a second white mana. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Those stories, and, like, by drafting these lands, you're just ensuring yourself that you get to cast all your spells. Because they're going to... Not ensuring it, but, like, you're just far more likely to be able to cast your spells. Right. And, like, if you... if, If that variance is way down of actually being able to just reliably cast all the spells in your deck, more so than your opponent, that's a win more card, too. (laughs) <laughs> more games. Right. I mean, that's that's what I talk people. I remember the one the uh, the one crack attack we did recently, and Adam, you were just like, man, wooded foothills, not close. <laughs> and and someone was and like... Then I went on the voting or whatever, and I saw it had like three votes, and I was just like... <laughs> <laughs> and people were like, I feel like I'm being trolled when people say wooded foothills. It's like, well, the card's actually... Very good. Yeah, like, I felt like I was trolled when I saw Wooded Foothills at no votes. Anything uh, anything else you guys want to add about lands besides them being awesome? The other thing I see a lot of people doing, and this goes with you're doing it wrong, too, there are a lot of people who just, like, drastically reduce the amount of lands in their cube because they say things like, well, I don't want to open a pack with three lands in it. Oh my god, that's all I want to do. Who's <laughs> not enough? <laughs> the dream scenario. And, and I feel like that's completely wrong too. Like, I feel like I always want to see lands in packs in some capacity. Yeah, I agree. Like, uh, I'm fine with four or five in my opening. Like, lands and artifacts help balance out packs where, like, you only have, like, one of a color or something like that. It just gives you, gives most decks alternate choices. And just uh, to go along with that, uh, if when if you're building your own cube, uh, if you just have, you know, if you're 20% white, 20% blue, et cetera, et cetera, then your drafts are going to end up where, like, you come to the end of the pack and there's nothing for people to play because they're just not in the color or whatever. But if you have lands and artifacts, even if they're, like, the weaker cards, uh, then... Regardless, you can still play them, mm-hmm. and it gives it just giving people more options. I remember before uh, 
Four scars in Mirrodin, really. Like, the artifacts were lacking. Because they just hadn't printed modern artifacts. But, uh, but they were still good in the cube. Stuff like Urza's Blueprints is one of the weaker cards in the cube. But it's still, like, good because all, like, a lot of different decks can play it. And the lands, same, same, same way, especially the colorless lands. You know, most two color and every one color deck can play you know, a Mishra's Factory, if they need to. Right. Yeah, I can't think of many decks that would have a Mishra's Factory in the sideboard, now that I think about it. I mean, like, yeah, three-color decks that, with, you know, that didn't draft other lands. Yeah. Right, that just, defi- need, that just need every single land to be good to cast a spell. Every, every, yeah, every single colored source or they can find. Like, right, like, how else are you going to activate your door-to-nothingness with a Mishra's yeah, Factory? I was just like, about to say that. That's my favorite card in the cube. <laughs> how, how are you going to activate a Jordan up in it? I mean, I guess you have signets or whatever, but you need you need you need a lot of colored sources for door to nothingness, as it turns out. So, Adam, ever put a door to nothingness under a shell dock aisle? Yeah, of course, <laughs> and every every opportunity. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, since. Now, we the the first person I thought of when I talked to, talked about doing lands incorrectly was Adam. I think the first person we also thought about when the uh, next big thing I see a lot of people doing wrong, which is not knowing how to attack for two correctly, and drafting your aggro deck right was uh, was Kenny Mare. So, Kenny, would you would you like to uh, like to talk a little bit about how to draft your aggressive decks correctly? I Every time I've drafted, cube drafted with Kenny, Kenny's had a, a really, really nice aggressive deck. I, well, I mean, he may, he, he may have drafted a control deck at some point, but I might have blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> first, you add four battle wits. <laughs> <laughs> and then you hope your opponent plays show and tell <laughs> while you have it in hand. Oh, By the way, is. just so you know, I was literally going bananas in my living room when that happened on camera. <laughs> I remember I was, like, watching it, and then I was, like, turned around and then saw Battle Blitz, and I was texting Anthony. I'm like, wait, what the hell? What just happened? I'm so confused. He's like, opponent played show and I'm like, what? Oh, my God. Uh, you don't know. Yeah, coming into the event, that was that was the dream. I was like, I really hope someone goes, like, Ancient Tomb, like, Mox, show and tell, and I just have it. But uh, it, it was pretty sweet. It was pretty good. <laughs> The unfortunate thing about that is, like, if you when you're playing a battle deck, the gig's up as soon as you sit down to shake your opponent's hand. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I gave him all like a like a disclaimer. I would like I would run from the from the pairings to to uh to where I was seated, pile shuffle, make sure I had all the cards, and just shuffle as much as you can. And they would come down. I'd be like, I'm sorry, this is gonna take a while for me to shuffle. You're gonna be bored. I'm gonna do this as fast as possible. Let's play right. some games. Yeah, yeah, you had a plan for battle, but. So what's your what's your plan for attacking for two? Attacking for two. <laughs> nice transition. I like Thanks. it. Attacking for two is uh sometimes like you're 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 playing an aggressive deck and you have the choice between like Exalted Angel and an Isamaru, and sometimes you have to pull the trigger on the two two for one despite it being far less elegant than the uh four five. Or say you're uh you're in white and you have a land tax and you have the choice between that 
and like a mother runes. Like both are excellent cards, but sometimes you just have to play the like the dumpy one one for one that uh just wins games sometimes. And I mean applying that to other colors as well. Like um I mean you just have to be willing to sacrifice the greater power cards sometimes for the Grim Lava Mancers, Kurt Ates of the World. Like I mean, there there are certain cards that like that are higher end that an aggressive deck will will take. Like I mean, I'll play a Siege Gang Commander in basically any red deck, and I'll pick it over most red cards. Even like a Jackal Pup, I'll take a Siege Gang Commander over because it's that good. But but for, for the like part, a, a Calciderm, maybe. Yeah, oh, I love a Calciderm. I mean, that guy, that guy's triple lava axe half the time. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> or triple abyss. Right, right, triple abyss. Yeah. But if they, if they can't sacrifice a creature, they take five? Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with giving them that choice. And, and like, uh, some actual, like, uh, just recently I was, I was playing a white aggro deck at, uh, Cube Draft in North Carolina on Saturday, and, uh, the new card Blade Splicer, I don't know if everybody's, uh, added that one in yet. I forgot to mention this when we were talking about the new Phyrexia updates yet, but that guy has been awesome. The four power for three mana, like, he's just very aggressive. And he has synergy with a lot of the other white aggro cards like uh, Sky Fisher and Flicker Wisp. Like oh. I had both of those in my deck. Wow, yeah. I didn't think about that. I just thought of him as three mana ambassador of. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he's got the the first. Not, yeah, I imagine him being much better. It's very good, but uh, yeah, I mean, just and and you, even above all those creatures, you usually have to value really, really prioritize the equipment, obviously, but, I mean, that's self-explanatory. Most people will do that, but, like, an Armageddon or a Tangle Wire, you just slam those things down, and you just you just be very grateful that you have something like that. It'll just destroy players with one card. Right. I think people are, are very easily influenced by the shiny thing. Like, in your first example of Isamaru versus Exalted Angel, like, Exalted Angel, it's an angel, and it has lifelink, and it does all these things, like Except for that, the thing you really needed to do is attack for two on turn two. Exactly. Or, like, well, have done six damage by the time you can play an Exalted Angel, attack with an Exalted Angel. And, like, Exalted Angel is fantastic. Even in aggro decks, I mean, I'll play her, but sometimes you really just need to focus on a certain point of the curve, namely the one drop. And uh, you just sometimes have to make the tough decisions, even at the, you know, the sacrifice of the shiny things kind of thing. And I, oh, sorry, I was gonna say, I think it, I think that's the reason why people, you know, I think people don't draft aggro well, is I think the lack of discipline and, like, yeah, the lack, you know, just like, ooh, shiny, I would, I don't want to play, uh, you know, Goblin Guide, look at Inferno Titan, it's six power, and fire breathes, and arc lightnings, and woo! But, you know, it just doesn't jive with the archetype, or I just see people, like, you know, half-assing it, they, like, go and go, Savannah lines in the same deck with like a chroma. I'm like, that doesn't work. No. Not at all. I will say though, if if you ever need need to have a six drop as the very top end of an aggro. Inferno type Z, man. Yeah. That is that card closes some games. Or maybe not Inferno type, maybe Crater Hellion or something. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, well the the point is though is that you have to make sure that your deck sticks to that plan. Instead of just drafting a bunch of cards, like, hey, I like all these cards. And while that's a fine thing to do, like, I mean, obviously we draft the cards that we like to draft. And, you know, that's why we make cubes, because we like drafting these cards. But you can't just 
see card, pick card of stuff that you like and expect for it to work as smoothly as you want it to. Like, if you don't have a ton of one drops already, or you don't have, you know, enough one drops or aggressive cards, like, yeah, maybe you can't take that Inferno Titan because you really need the Goblin Guide instead. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's what you were, you were getting to, just the crux of it is, you have to realize when the, to, to bite the bullet and take the, take the two power one drop. Yeah. Well, uh, on top of that, I would say, uh, you can't just say you're an aggressive deck. You have to have a reason for being an aggressive deck. Like, I see a lot of people just like, well, I drafted this because I'm aggressive. I drafted this because I'm aggressive. And they drafted all these, you know, like finishers type, these Armageddon effects, you know, these Tangle, like these things that close games, but nothing to deal with the first 10. Right. You know, everything dealt the last 10. Like in a Tugu second, right? Well, <laughs> it happens in like uh, regular. I see a lot of like concussive bolts in oh, yeah. like normal decks or whatever. Like you can't have that. So you can't play Zozu as your first creature. Right. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. can't have any uh, any falter effects or something like that. Like like a Naya charm. Like you need to have the the curve to back it up. Like and, like any kind of finisher effect. I, I definitely get what you're talking about there. You gotta have a balance. Yeah, and I think it's also like your spells are really you. You have to make your spells work because you only have so many slots for spells, and they really need to yeah. do their work. That's the other thing I see. Uh, way too many uh, removal spells in a lot of a lot of beatdown decks. Yeah, like you only want to kill like one to two creatures a game. Yeah, like actually, if they, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, if they if they play like I mean, you want your removal spells for their like their titan or whatever to get your last couple points in. You don't necessarily, you know, need to kill all the creatures. You want to play, you want to keep playing your own creatures and you want to dominate an early part of the game. Like, you don't need to kill Wall of Blossoms or Wall of Omens. Mm-hmm. You're just as, just as well sort of generally better off if you just play another creature that's better. Yeah. Like, uh, I actually had this problem in a cube draft I did earlier tonight before this, this podcast. Like, I, I was a black-white aggro deck, but the draft kind of went off the, off the rails a bit, and there was a lot of blank packs for me. And my deck ended up pretty reasonable, but like, I felt like I had to include like one or two removal spells beyond what I wanted. Like, I would rather have solid dudes, but instead I had like a Doomblade instead of a, like a two drop or something like that, just because, uh, the card pool was so, uh, limited for what I was drafting. But, and it, it definitely affected my performance with the deck. I just sometimes I would draw like two or three removal spells when I wish I had the ability to curve out consistently. Mm-hmm. Especially you get into a lot of problems with that if you have a bunch of equipment. Because you can like you only you have to play a bunch of dudes, especially if you want to play multiples in the early turns. Like I would say, like how many? Say, if you want to draft an aggressive deck, how many you know one? One mana and two mana plays. Do you, I do, is there a number you shoot for or is it just as many as possible or? Um, usually like, I mean, the optimal I would prefer probably like one drops between four and six. Usually like, usually like the six end, but I mean, I'm usually satisfied enough if I have like four to five, but you don't want to have too many of them unless your deck is, is going to be like the 15, 16 card special that tops out at three. Usually. Right. If, if, yeah, I mean, for the most part, like, like six would be the optimal number at one, and then, like, 
about six to seven at two, and then like usually like four at three, and then like it goes so and so, and like yeah. one to two at four. Well, and then and then compare that with uh, how many one drops are there in like your respective cubes? Yeah, it's like, it's not it's not very high because Wizards just doesn't print them very often. Right, which is why whenever they print one, you just immediately like snap it, snap include most of the time. Like when Elite Vanguard came out. Like, man, I get to play two Savannah Lions? Done. Mm-hmm. Right. That's pretty exciting. Originally, I yeah. had none of the, like, duplicate cards from Pearl Three Kingdoms. I was like, no Ravages, no uh, Burning of Shinye. And then Elite Vanguard came out, I'm like, okay, fine, I'll jump ship. Whatever. <laughs> and I think Jungle another... Lions is in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Lions. Another thing I wanted to talk about in terms of aggro that wasn't on the outline and I think I really want to talk about is, like, a lot of the aggressive cards, I think people misevaluate because they have drawbacks, and a lot of, like, for example, the mid-range and control cards really don't, and they're like, the classic example I always beat up on is, like, Jackalpup. It's like, I take damage, oh, it sucks. Yeah, I don't like Jackalpup. And it's just, like, you know, I think when people are drafting cubes and they see like, those cards, you know, they're, like, Jackal Pup, which has a drawback, versus, like, Obstinate Bayloth, which doesn't. It's like, oh, obviously I'll take the Bayloth or something. I don't know. Let, yeah, let yeah, Bayloth has a drawback of costing four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean... I, I think people are getting better at that. Uh, just, like, the community in general. Like, I was impressed by, like, the overall reaction to the Phyrexian mana cards. Whereas, like, people correctly evaluated them, like, completely willing to pay life to cheat on the mana over, over mana or whatever on early turns. Like, if, if people underestimated any part of the, the, uh, Phyrexian card, uh, the, the Phyrexian mana cards, it's like the ability to not pay life later on in the game. Yeah. So I think people have gotten better on using, you know, using the life total to, like, as a resource. Mana is more important than life early on. Well, maybe not even just in, like, light damage cards, but I think, well, actually, now I think about it, a lot of the cards with drawbacks are damage-based, like, yeah, Jackalpup, uh, Wretched and Nurid. Sarcomancy. Other, yeah, Sarcomancy. They kill it. Yeah, oh, no, it's, I'm taking damage. Sarcomancy's all upside, man. You can repeal that. <laughs> <laughs> the Skyfisher hit. Sangophage oh, or Carnophage. Oh, no, i got to keep paying life to untap it. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's a part of just being, like, not doing it wrong when, you know, drafting aggro is, you know... I mean, obviously not every card with a drawback is good, like Rotting Giant or, like, Flesh Reaver. You know, cards like that are just <laughs> garbage. I mean, their drawback is just bad, but... I think yeah, it's Flesh just, Reaver was big game when you twisted it up. When you, uh, yeah, because you just got seven life ahead of them. And... <laughs> right. <laughs> now we got Future Leech. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I remember as soon as that card was spoiled, I was like, isn't this kind of like a better Flesh Reaver? And I was like, and I think at the pre-release, I'm like, I want to foil one. I want to foil one. I remember annoying, like, a bunch of people. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care. I just want to foil one for my cube. And then everybody caught on. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I feel special. Yeah, card. <laughs> I didn't think of anything nearly as terrible as Flesh Reaver when I saw Future Leech. Like, the... This is not... I thought of Wild Mongo when I saw Future Leech. Just like the modern Wild Mongo. Yeah. 
pretty much. It's yeah, you just play it on turn two and it's completely unbeatable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah speaking of uh, unbeatable on turn two, like having draft, doing a draft with you know like a triple New Phyrexia draft and just being like Porcelain Legionnaire. Oh, go yeah. like hurt. that. Ugh. I, I would have so many draws in my games where I look at my hand, I'm like, yeah, this hand's okay, and then like my first draw phase is Porcelain Legionnaire. I'm like, all right, we did it. <laughs> like. Is Porcelain Legionnaire in your guys' cubes? Yes. Yes, sir. If I could, I, I still need to find a foil one, but, yeah, that card's just, I, I feel like it's just a snap include, because, I mean, play it in any single color, yeah. aggressive deck, you know. Yeah, the card, uh, I mean, what deck doesn't want a 3-1 first strike for two? That's that's attacking. Like, that guy, just everywhere, all of it. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, first strike is what played at the sixth pride needed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> blows my mind. Right. Which, uh, speaking of which, if we were to ask, like, which do you think better, Core Paladin or uh, Porcelain Legionnaire? Porcelain Legionnaire. It's gotta be Legionnaire. Legionnaire. Okay. Yeah, I figured that was easy. Eh, I mean, I like them both. Yeah. I don't. I've never liked a Quarter Paladin in any format ever. You just don't get enough value out of uh, Battle Cry. On a creature that is so easily blocked, it's hard to uh, attack turn after turn with uh, and a quarter shield. Right, which is why the you know in constructed you can actually attack with what's the the uh, signal pest. Yeah, because it's hard to block, so at least you're getting value out of it multiple turns. Right, and even then, signal pest is only good in decks that want a bunch of artifacts. Right. For whatever reason. But that's a way to get, you know, your value out of it because they can't block it. Yeah, yeah, But you can kind of, like, in the cube, like, you can build around it. Like, there are enough anthem effects and, and pump effects built into the white cards themselves that a quarter paladin just kind of, like, enhances that theme of, like, Pianas and, like, Sultari champions and glorious anthems, you know, and so on and so forth. Like, he just, like, he's already, like, a... Blade of the Sixth Pride, which is a reasonable card, but it's kind of like uh, been been blown away by most uh, modern cards. For dude, you. dude, right. it dies to everything. Oh no! <laughs> when a Court of Paladin dies, put it in the graveyard. Put it in the graveyard. You no longer have Battle Cry when you attack. <laughs> but yeah, I'm a fan. Well, of the thing, I, the reason I don't like. Uh, uh, a quarter paladin all that much is when you do play one of those anthem effects, the creature is still very vulnerable. Like, I like playing creatures that, like, I like resiliency in my uh, aggressive decks. I want to be able, like, I don't care how much I'm attacking for on an empty board. Uh-huh. I want I want a board that where I can attack with a creature regardless of, you know, against a wide variety of plays. Like, I love, like, the shadow guys. Yeah, they're awesome. Oh, yeah, they're nuts. Like, I even like Soltari Trooper. Oh, he's awesome. And that's sweet. I played with, uh, it's not an Anthony's cube, uh, but I played with it in Alex Bottaccini's cube, and I was like, wow, this guy's, uh, this guy's a lot better than I thought. Like, that's the type of, uh, aggressive creature I like. I don't, I'm not, I'm not as big on the one drops, like, but it's because the one drops very rarely have evasion. Agreed. Yeah, usually. Or any sort of resiliency. Like my 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 favorite one drop is uh, Mother Burns. I don't know. Me, I man, it's tough actually. I'd say figure. What's your what's what's everybody's favorite one drop? Figure of Destiny, and the aggressive ones. 
Yeah, aggressive one drop. I mean, oh, just universally. Right. Not, yeah. Um, not just for for cube. For, for, for cube, it would definitely be a goblin guide, but for just magic, definitely be wild nakato. Best card okay. of magic. Yeah, it's hard. I don't know. But See, I, for me, it's it's mother Vern's. And the only card that comes close is uh, Lava Mancer. Yeah, I, lo- I, lo- I love me a Lava Mancer, too. Yeah, they're both amazing. I also yeah. really like a Curt Ape, but then they print a Wild Nacatl. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did sign my uh, Curt Ape. This is true. It's always a T3. You even wrote a song about Curt Ape. I sure did. <laughs> and as it turns out, Wooded Foothills from our earlier crack back, crack back a few weeks back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, like, for, you know, just we're talking about cube aggressive ones. I love figure of destiny or whatever. But just like overall, it's, it's kind of hard. Like, a, a Grim Lava Mentor has got to be close to the top for me. I, I keep finding, you know, I, I look at like decks I've played and I always seem to be, find ways of coming back to Grim Lava Mentor. I'm surprised nobody said Noble Hierarch. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I like him, but yeah. It's, it's no Grim Lava Mentor. A lot of people love Noble Hierarch. Like, think he's, you know, just like, they play Noble Hierarch in decks that would have played birds in a million years. That type of thing. They value the Exalted that. Like, I'm not a big Noble Hierarch fan. I don't, I don't like Mana Acceleration all that much. But, Noble Hierarch is, uh, cause there's definitely different kinds of aggressive decks, I think. Sure. Well, like some, like green aggressive decks, I don't think want two drops in them very often. Yeah, you want, like, aggressive decks want the acceleration. They, what, they right, you want ones and threes. And like ones, right, threes, exactly. fours. Yeah, and fours. Whereas like a white aggressive deck, like their fours need to close the game. They need to be of the Armageddon, Parallax Wave. You know, they, they need to shut, slam the door, so to say. So to speak. Yeah. You know <laughs> yeah. green four drop I really wish had a less awkward cost for aggressive decks? Frangrin Firstborn. And for you kids who are, play, who are playing along, it's like one and triple green for a 4-2, and when it attacks, all of your attacking creatures get plus one, plus one counters. God, that triple green is just so awkward. <laughs> I used to love that card, but that card is the worst hero blade hold of all time. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's actually really disappointing. One of, one of my least favorite things about the cube is it makes you realize how, like, the cards you like so nostalgic about, you think were so awesome, oh. are just so outclassed now. Like, oh, how awesome so. was Rorik's Blade Wing? Oh yeah. <laughs> like, huh? I have Rorik's Blade Wing. Like, man, this Rorik's Blade Wing. This card's awesome. This, woo. And then like they print Auto like, Titan. Or like Hellkite Charger, like complete unplayable. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, it's actually just a thousand times better than Rorik's. It's it's way better, right? And I still play Rorks because hi, it's Rorks. Yeah, yeah, because I like Rorks. Yeah, sure. Because I like Rorks or whatever. But you know, so I play Jungle Lion too, even though Jungle Lion sucks. Jungle Lion can't intercept. <laughs> <laughs> and it's I, you know, it's just Lion. one of those things where it, I, I do this all the time when I like either go through people's collections if I'm like buying a collection or. Going through people's cards, and we were like, "Oh, hey, I got a, someone give me a bunch of magic cards." We go through them for me and see if there's anything. Like, I'll look through them and I'll see these cards. And I'm like, "Oh, this card is so awesome!" And then I think about it for a second. I'm like, "This card is stone unplayable today." Yeah. 
I, I wish I could think of specific examples, but good lord. Well, that's the one thing if you're designing a cube, like especially with your one drops, even the two drops, like they aren't like super impressive. Like modern two drops and one drops aren't super impressive compared to like the fours and the fives and the sixes. Like they, yeah. so, one thing you have to balance your cube, right? If you're looking to balance between you know, aggressive strategy, mid-range strategies, control strategies. Like, today the mid-range strategies are so much stronger than they were, you know, than they used to be. Especially with that. And the cards are just way better, too. So you have to, you might have to cut the occasional spell skite from your your cube just so uh, aggressive strategies are better. Or maybe not spell skite, like random five drop in green or something. Well, like, well, just these, like, aggressive haters. Like a Bayloth that costs two and two green. Right. <laughs> Moat. Moat. Yeah, you, you probably don't need, like, four of them. Right. Even though they're all, like, cube-worthy. You probably don't want to play all of them. You don't want the redundancy on your aggressive haters. Right. Because you're like, hey, I'll cast this one and gain four life when it comes into play, and then I'll cast this one and sacrifice the one I gained four life when it came into play to gain four <laughs> life as it leaves play, and then... And then I'll sacrifice my Arcbound Ravager, because that's a beast, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and gain four life from that one. <laughs> but, yeah, like, Moat, who, whoever was, was that Kenny that mentioned Moat? Like, yeah, obviously, yeah. Moat is insane, but I just refuse to play it in my cube, because it just completely invalidates, like, it, it, like a single card, like, can completely invalidate entire decks. Yeah. I, and like, not just, I like, one or two narrow decks, just, like, just, just decks, class effect. decks with creatures that attack on the ground. Like, which is a lot. I mean, even all those mid-range decks that, you know, you're hitting your, your, where your fours and fives are important. If those yeah, fours like and fives don't fly, you're still not doing anything. Like, there's another cube around here that I draft with, and I'm, I'm slowly getting him to wean out all of the propaganda and such effects. Like, for a while, he had moat, uh, collective restraint, propaganda, and ghostly prison. Oh, and geez. I, mean, I would just try to draft aggressive strategies. And it would be very, very difficult for me to succeed a lot of times. But uh, I'm slowly, I think, weighing him over. But, uh, yeah, those those kind of cards are just, they just... Hold. Well, the thing is, those cards, not only do they hinder, like, I'm not, like, trying to, you know, prop up aggressive strategies. But, like, those cards are just so bad against, I mean, like, once everybody figures out that those cards are in your cube, like, they'll just stop drafting aggressive decks. And yeah. then those cards become the worst cards in your cube. Agree. Well, I also think. And like the, go ahead, Osman. Okay, I was gonna say also like when aggressive strategies are really underrepresented in cubes, it's like when you see like, I think that's another example I kind of use sometimes when I see a cube with like Isamaru is the only one drop. Eventually, like if someone tries to draft those, it becomes like a trap. It's just like, oh, noob is trying to draft a aggressive deck, lol, and then you just one twos or something. I see. I see a lot of cubes with the white weenie trap, where it's just like. Everything is double white. Is it like a hole in the side of the box? Yes, it is a hole in the side of the box. Okay, sorry. <laughs> what? Explain further the white. It traps your box. white weenie. God. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like the Chinese finger trap or whatever, oh. but it's in the end of your oh, long box. I get it. You <laughs> Anthony make joke. Yeah, I can't help it. But, but the like, white weenie trap isn't like double white spells. That's that's uh, not too important. Like it's a it's a trap of like they're not being 
aggressive white cards in a cube. Like, you see an Isumaru, like, a Soltari monk and a priest, and that's it. And then it's just, like, There's, Sunglass Angel, Austere Command. Yeah, and then it's just, like, yeah, go go straight to Angels and Rats. Hmm, yeah, that's that's definitely awkward when that happens. It's, yeah, it's like, well, then, and then, I think those cubes, that's how people end up with uh, Savannah Lions, Akroma decks. Because, like, how, when are you supposed to play Savannah Lions, you know? Well, when all the, the only other cards are Akromas. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, even then, if that was the case, I would just leave Savannah Lions in the sideboard. Right. You would, but, like, then everybody would leave Savannah Lions in the sideboard, and then it should get cut. Yeah. And I see, I remember what if seeing... You made a, but what if you made Akroma a rebel? She would be really rebellious. <laughs> oh, really man. Lucy like, would be for eight. Bam. <laughs> because because rebels are the ultimate aggressive strategy. Yeah, totally. Because <laughs> they're really fast. Yeah, oh, and, and that was that whole thing was just so awkward. It was just like, hey, uh, remember the people were whining at you, Anthony? Yeah, because like, I was trying to explain how rebels is not an aggressive strategy at all. Like it's it's about as mid rangey, grindy as you get. But and, how, like, how you generate you know? lots of advantage. People are just like, well, you've obviously never played a Rebel Cube before because it's the best aggro deck. Okay. This is, is this in reference to that uh, Channel Fireball article? Yes. Uh, a while ago? Yeah. Yeah, in the comments, there was, like, I think Anthony was like, yeah, um, Rebels aren't really aggressive. That was, like, the mid-range strategy. And then some guy was, like, on his white knight horse or something to defend the guy. <laughs> like, dude, dude, charge! They're regressive, yeah, and, not mid-range. Right. And, and he ran the he ran the whole well, you've never done it, so you don't know like thing. Like, there's a lot of things I haven't done that I know plenty about. Was it like that, that being just, a sewer rat? Exactly. It's like, well, I, I enjoy stabbing myself in the eye with a butter knife. And I'm like, wow, that sounds really painful. And they're like, dude, you've never you've done never it. You've never done it. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. I miss it out, it's man. Like, no, I, I can, I can guess pretty well that, you know, probably not something I want to be doing. Yeah. But it, you know, it, it was one of those things where I'm just like, you know, the, the aggressive deck of that format was the fires deck. It wasn't the, it wasn't the rebels deck. It was like hasty blasterms and whatever. Right. It was attacking for five on turn three, and then it's killing them on turn four if they didn't do anything. <laughs> the fix. Right, the fix, basically. Yeah. So. Ugh. I like how the fix, like, now is just, like, one card. It's like, oh, Stoneforge Mystic. Gotcha. Yeah, the fix. <laughs> Stoneforge Mystic. Gotcha. Untap. Fixed. Right. Lotus Cobra. <laughs> untap. Yeah. <laughs> There was one point I was uh, gonna try to that I was gonna remember. Like I remember like in St. Louis where which is where I hail from, like one of the cubes like and it was one of the early cubes that I saw. Eventually and this kinda gets to the point, Adam, that you're making with uh you know, Isamaru being left in sideboards all should be left all the all the time in sideboards of like cubes that don't have aggro support and eventually gets cut. I found that happened in like some of the in that cube they were like they had the, they were like, oh, we gotta cut Curry Ape and Mog Fanatic and Jackal Pup because they suck. And, you know, there, there was no support. It was just like, you know, Sam Stoddard and uh, Cranny from In Contention, they had a cute podcast. And one of the terms that really stuck out was 
referring to cubes that really don't have any aggressive support, really bad aggro support is like dragon cubes, because, you know, it's all about the dragons, and woo, I got yeah. a dragon, and I got a dragon. And that's, in those, it, it kind of becomes this really awkward situation where, in those dragon cubes, the aggressive cards don't have the support, and they suck, so they just get cut. And then, I don't know. I wonder if it's kind of like, also kind of like one of those self-fulfilling prophecies where people try drafting, like, I'd seen people draft aggro and they're bad at it. Like, they do the, you know, Savannah Lions, Acroma, or, like, like Hellkite Charger and leaving Jackalpup in the sideboard special, and they're like, hey, aggro sucks, I, I'm not going to draft again. It's like, well, because you did it wrong. Not because aggro sucks, it's because you suck at drafting it. Well, I've, I've drafted some cubes, and they're interesting, like, some, some dragon cubes. I haven't, I don't use that term, but that makes sense, uh, Drafted some of them, and they're, like, they're different. So it's not, like, strictly worse to have a cube that just doesn't have aggro in it. Like, if, you just, if nobody you draft with likes beating down, and you just want to have all these, you know, type 2 fights, if you love playing standard, then uh, by all means, cut the jackal pups from your cube. Right. But, but like, don't leave, the, don't leave them in and not support them with the rest. Right, and you can't then say, well, I have a really balanced cube. You can play blue dragons or red dragons or green dragons. <laughs> it's like in those, in those cubes, though, like blue is just head and shoulders above anything yeah, without so the, like, Right, so you're like, pay two mana, counter your dragon that you spent six mana on. Yeah. Yeah, you have to cut reman then, too. Or, like, steal <laughs> steal your dragon for five and then get it. Untap all your lands. <laughs> Untap my lands. Yeah. And then... And then desertion your other dragon. Yeah. <laughs> when you cast it afterwards. Thanks. Or uh, what's the one where you get to draw cards for the... Uh, oh, overwhelming intellect. Overwhelming oh, intellect. Or oh, becomes man. good I think that Dragon Cube in St. Louis was actually running that overwhelming yeah. intellect. Yeah. I mean, if every time you counter a spell, you it's draw true. six. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a pretty good spell. And why would you want to counter anything but a creature? <laughs> Does it counter yeah, other blue- spells? I don't even remember. Yeah, Blue wouldn't even need to run really creatures. They could just run, like, Spelljack, Gather Specimen, <laughs> Overwhelming Intellect, just destroy. And Jace. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, because you clearly need Jace. And then you're just stealing all their stuff. Yeah, it's like, Control hey, magic. We'll bounce them, too. Why not? Treachery. I mean, this, it's, it's a good point. Like, uh, does it illustrate, like, why, what aggressive decks do for a well-balanced cube. Yeah. Like, if you don't have the aggressive deck, like, blue just becomes way better. Like, historically, blue has a significant weakness to Jackalpup. Like, the, the way to the way to beat the, the 800 counter spell blue deck was to play Jackalpup <laughs> or Curse Scroll. Yeah, like, yeah. On turn one, yeah. Bash, bash, bash. Curse Scroll naming mountain or something. A treetop village. Yeah. Yeah. All these cards... Cards that are good against control decks deal damage. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like, they're, they're not like other cards like, say, like, an Eternal Witness or, like, I mean, I guess Thrawn is directly good against control because you can't counter the target or whatever. But, like, they they just deal damage under underneath counter spells and, you know, oftentimes removal spells because they're not fast enough. And they, they, they go a long way towards balancing a cube. Because if you just have, again, in a dragon cube, yeah, like, overwhelming intellect is a very strong pick. And that's not magic to me. 
Right, it's not the kind of magic that I want to be playing. Right. It's CDH. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Pretty, it's pretty much like it's like going to a tournament and like seeing all the top tables being the same deck, or like the people who are the top tables knew what to draft, or like, oh, uh, blue, 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 you know, like, I remember going to a, a limited PTQ and like almost all the top tables, and this was like at, you know, straight Lorwyn, it was like, oh, this guy's got a Planeswalker, that guy's got a Planeswalker, that guy's got two, that guy's got one, and, you know, everybody else is just, you know, horrible decks that didn't mise into a Planeswalker or something. And that's what it kind of feels like in cubes, that, like, especially, like, the Dragon cubes, where it's just, like, they essentially solve the format by drafting blue, and it's, you know, it's not exactly rocket surgery to, dra- you know, draft blue in a Dragon cube. But well, well, rocket surgery. surgery. Rockets? What's rocket surgery? <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a slang term, you know, it's like combining rocket science and, you know, just like... Uh, brain, brain surgery. surgery. Yeah. What about yeah. brain science? Brain science. Brain science. Brain science surgery or whatever. Mirror surgery. <laughs> oh, I found my new favorite thing to say. <laughs> brain science surgery. It's not brain science or rocket surgery here, people. <laughs> <laughs> but it's essentially, yeah, it's like, Okay, you've solved the format. Nice format. And this is like, I don't like playing standard, for example, right now. I mean, I don't... Yeah, standard right now... Just like, like, yeah, there's just, one strategy or whatever. Yeah, it's just like, play Stoneforge Mystic and stuff. Great, nice format. Like, here, we'll print a bunch of hosers for... It's like, hey, remember when you could sometimes play an aggressive deck? Oh, yeah. by the way, we have Batter Skull now. <laughs> Somebody, I think it was Sam Black on Twitter, said, uh, Batter Skull is like the reverse Great Stable Stag. It's like for the best deck and it hates everything else, all the worst cards that decks out or something. That's the best deck across all the terrible right. decks. Yeah, right, right, right. Instead of letting the other decks get something over on the best deck, it actually lets the best deck crush everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like in those bad, like those 80s movies where they have like the montages and like, or like the 80s movies, like where it's like the plucky underdog. And there's like some rich kid, and you know, just like Batter Skull is kind of like giving the rich kid like a billion dollars or something, like a million or like a Bentley or something. It's like, yep, that's just what he needed. No, he's got he's got this he's got the plucky spirit of the underdog too. Does he have like <laughs> so like not only does he have like the same emotional ties, but like he's also better looking, has the girl and money, so suck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the Rocky soundtrack in the background. Right. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's talk about something else besides aggro. I think we've 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 talked about that long enough. Um, one thing I thought about was uh, basically you watch people, and this happens in drafts of all shapes and sizes, but people really get just tied into their first pick, especially if it's a very oh, heavy first pick, and just literally just jam that color for the rest of the draft and just refuse to do anything else or, you know, Oh yeah, man, I should have switched in the green. Cause you know, I saw a billion awesome green spells, but you know, I kept taking those white, you know, kept taking like crappy white cards because they really wanted to play their spectral procession and wanted to be white. I, I don't know if a, of a really great example, but it, it happens a lot where people just get tied into their first pick. Yeah. Um, you know how you solve that problem? Lance. You take temple garden. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, but then you have to draft green and white cards, dude. No, you don't. Right. This is the point. <laughs> like, I feel like a lot of times, at least, I mean, 
there are times when, yeah, I really like my first pick, and then if the rest of the cards that follow it are also awesome, and you get to stay on the path the entire draft, that's like the dream scenario. But I, I find myself a lot of times just playing like best pe- best card for a while, and then figuring out something. Yeah, I take best land for a while. There we go. <laughs> but but yeah, best best card is like not only cube drafting, but but any drafting. Best card is a, a strategy I wholeheartedly endorse, especially like in cube or whatever. You can who cares if you waste a pick or two? You got you got fifteen extra ones. It's not like there's unplayables. Right, and that's the thing is like it's it, not only that like you're yeah you're missing out on a pick, but like I think that the power drop off between the first pick and your ninth pick is significantly less than any other limited format between your first pick. Exactly. And your pick. Like. You can probably make a, you know, there's one of the complaints I heard, and this is a similar thing, when I try to introduce people to cube here is someone objected with, well, I don't like cubing because some people open packs that have 10 rares and some people open packs that only have two rares. And what? I said, I'll tell you what, <laughs> let's, let's play and I'll draft zero rares. I play rare begun. What about rare begun? <laughs> you know, hey, it's, it's got a buster on the rare symbol. That means it can't be rare, right? <laughs> oh, so, you know I mean? like I, I'll draft zero. I'll do you a favor. I'll draft zero rares, and you know we'll play, and you'll see that that really doesn't matter. But you know, it's like a, a it's a related thing that yeah the power level drop off isn't that much. There's a reason why those cards are in the cube. Like well, some people are used to the rares just being better. Yeah, like and while that's true, sometimes you know, like and, and mythics or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're even better than rares. Right. And, you know, while that does, you know, like I said, it, it is true sometimes. It's you know, not always the case, that's for sure. So, like, who cares? Like, but the, the the whole eighth pick thing, like, you know, yeah, so what, you drop the pick. Like, and, and I think what a lot of people get tied into for that, when I talk to them about it afterwards, is they say something like, oh, well, you know, I was trying to read signals in, in cube draft or whatever. Like, I was trying to, you know... I kept getting, you know, a, a blue card in every pack. So, or I, I tried to work really hard to cut all the blue cards when the color, you know, the packs aren't color balanced, at least not the way that I play. Like some people like to sort their packs. <laughs> I, think, I think the aforementioned Sam Black actually, when he cubes, literally populates every pack with an even number of colors from every pack. Yeah. So there's wow. two, two of each color. Two multicolor, two artifacts, two lands, or whatever. Hey, there's this pack with one blue card and two of every other. Which, what did the person take? Right. I have, hmm, it's my third pick overall, and there are no red cards in the pack, but everything else is in the pack. Huh. I guess they're yeah, green. Makes, uh, makes drafting a little less fun that way, I would assume. Yeah, it also makes it take forever. Like, hey, guys, uh, let's, let's draft. But first, we're going to spend 30 minutes making our packs. Right. Yeah, That the whole sorting thing is, I mean, that's just a different story. But I feel like the whole thing of, you know, people talking about signals in Cube, obviously there are signals, you know, if there's, you know, and we've, so we've all seen this before, like you get to the second half of the pack and literally all the cards are of a single color. Yeah, and you're like, like oh, yeah. okay, boing. Hey, S- signaling in cube happens like it, signaling in normal drafts happens from you know the second pick on, right? Uh, but in a cube, most of the signaling happens on the loop, right? Because you don't know what you only know. You don't know the 
like say it's your fourth pick. You did not know the original, you know, makeup of that pack. You couldn't like extrapolate. And also there weren't like, there's not like certain cards that are head and shoulders above very often. You won't see like, you know, there's not a fourth pick like, I don't know, Oak Trail. That's like just an obvious signal like it would be in Scar's draft. Mm-hmm. Right, but if you get, if you, let's say, take a different red card over it, but then your ninth pick, the Arc Trail is still in the pack? And there's still every other red card in the pack. Then right. that's the, that's your signal. Yeah, right, then know. it's your, then it's your, you're all clear. There aren't, you're, there, yeah, there aren't one card signals in cube. Like there can be in, in, uh, like say Scar's draft. Like an, an excellent uncommon. Like if somebody passes you a corrupted conscious, that's the blue's probably open because you don't take. There are other blue cards you take in, but if somebody passes you, say you know a future site, blue's not necessarily open. That there's plenty of blue cards that one could take over future site, even right. though future site's a bomb and amazing and un- unbelievable and unbeatable and all those good things. <laughs> Is that that's also one of those nice? Oh, I untap. Sweet. Good game. Great. And I think too, just you know, just the numbers game too. Uh, what's one pick when you have 45 picks of cards that all should be? That if you're constructing your cube to have good cards in it, all 45 cards that you're picking should be good on some level, whether they fit in your deck or not. But like, I don't know how you know the one card probably not that big a deal on the grand scheme of things. Yeah, pretty much. I, yeah. So yeah, what's up? Excellent insight. <laughs> yeah. Thank I, you. <laughs> how about uh? This is something, you know, and this is a personal thing, and I'm I'm sure people will will raise the pitchforks and torches over this one, but I personally cannot stand black green mid range decks drafting black green mid range decks in the cube. I think that's I a personal thing, as opposed to something that is just like not good. Oh no, I, it's definitely a personal thing, but I'm saying that anyway. I can't stand it, and I watch too many people fall into the trap of doing it, and like, and then they wind up they just take a bunch of three to five mana cards in those colors without a, a necessarily a plan. They're just like, oh, look, a Bayloth, I'll take it. Oh, look, this card, I'll take it. And then they just get absolutely destroyed by, like, cards on both ends, like decks on both ends are faster and slower, like being the control decks and stuff. So I, I, I just think if you're just, once again, and I think it's related to the early ones, I think the, the deck that people dress, draft most often without having an actual plan is the black green rock decks. Yeah, it's usually like the training wheels of the cube, but I notice like whenever no, somebody drafts a cube for the first time, it's like their default black removal spells and these good green creatures that are going later than they assume they should, and they just end up with a deck like that. And then eventually over time, they'll get a more refined sense of the archetypes in the cube, and they'll draft, you know, I'm doing air quotes, better decks. Yeah, it's, it's, like I said, I, and I, I feel the same way. I just feel like it's a giant trap that people fall into with thinking that just drafting all those cards without necessarily playing. Obviously, if you have, like, let's say, you know, recur, you can build that deck with something like Recurring Nightmare, and you can build your deck around it and have something very dynamic and with a very, you know, specific plan of what's going on. But I feel like there are a lot of people fall into that trap of just exactly what you said, drafting some black removal spells, drafting some green creatures, and having it be good enough. You know, and while you may look like you may lay the deck out and look at it and it may look pretty darn good, you wind up just getting smashed because, you know, it doesn't necessarily do anything particularly well. 
Yeah, and I think that's the thing. It's just they don't really have a plan, per se. They're just like, oh, this card looks good. This card looks good. Here's a Thornling. Here's a whatever. Here's a Grave Titan. Here's a blah, blah. And they just, it's just jamming a bunch of cards in a deck without really any plan. They're just hoping that they'll get there. And I guess that could be from just Limited. Because, I mean, I don't know. I find that a lot in, in I don't know, I think a lot of the more recent formats have kind of just told you what to draft. Like, in Scars Mirror, it's like, draft artifacts, idiot. Or, like, in War, when it's like, draft a bunch of tribes, you numbskull, or whatever. It's just like, you know, just like, okay, you do this. And, like, previous, maybe, like, Time Spiral, it was kind of just, like, decks of general stuff. And I think that maybe just a hat. Maybe it's just a habit, you know, people get into when drafting, and then they try doing that with those kind of rock decks and then they fail because they don't do anything. They're just piles of stuff. I know once upon a time that we, uh, Anthony and I went, uh, Anthony still lived in Arizona, we, our cube had a bunch of, like, pre-made draft, draft this kind of deck. Uh, we, we would support, like, uh, a reanimator theme, like, very heavily, where there's these obvious cards that, were just terrible outside of a reanimator deck. Was it also? Uh, we did mono black for a while. Yeah. Right, uh, these 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 very linear type themes. Right. So and there were there were good training wheels for people. Just like hey, if you see a card like think think of a card like take the card and then draft around it, you know. So and then even even still we have these like mini like one card themes like the rare be gone deck. That's uh, I mean it's. It's pretty easy to draft. Like, don't take rares, take red and black cards. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are you a red slash black aggressive card? Okay. Are you rare? Do you have a gold symbol? No? Okay. <laughs> it's allowed to have a gold symbol if it sacrifices to search for a, uh, a mountain or a swamp. It's allowed to have a gold symbol if it's dark confidant. It's allowed to have a gold symbol if it does four to the face. And two to your face? Yeah, sure. That card doesn't feel like a rare nowadays, speaking of which. It's just not. It would just deal... It, I feel like if it were, if Char would reprint it in New Phyrexia, it would just deal, like, four to their face and two to one of their creatures or something. <laughs> it's like supercharged Arc Trail. Yeah. <laughs> Char Trail. Char Trail. It's like Char Trail or whatever, the artist or whatever. I was thinking more of the hideous color, like chartreuse. Oh, yeah. There you go. If it was chartreuse, though, it would be do like four damage to their face, and then like two of their creatures couldn't attack the next turn. <laughs> like burnt amber. There we go. There's a the pun. Burnt amber. Yeah. All right. What about uh? And I think another thing people don't do is I think people fall into and for cube at least if you you know if you only get to draft cube once in a while. I could see maybe doing this, but I think if you get to draft a cube on a regular basis, I think you're doing yourself a, a, a disservice by drafting the same deck every time. Um, if you enjoy, you know, I, I think everyone should try to draft different kinds of decks. Like, What's yeah, wrong with drafting door to nothingness every time? <laughs> there's actually nothing wrong with that because right. other spells constantly change. Oh, okay. <laughs> Because, I mean, you have to have different ways of, you know, lasting until you get to Door to Nothingness. So, you know, you get to play a bunch of, you know, you just draft a bunch of awesome lands, and then you figure out what the rest of the spells are <laughs> based on what's open. But, like, I think people 
you know, while, you know, Kenny enjoys an, an aggressive deck and, and I definitely enjoy a, an aggressive deck, I try to draft different things, you know, based on early picks. Like, okay, let's try this and see if this works, you know. Uh, let's, let, you know, let's basically try new things and, and see what happens. Like, yeah, you know, I'm not, I don't usually draft blue, but we're going to draft blue. Or, you know, I don't, I don't usually draft a reanimator deck or, you know what I mean? Just different kinds of things just to try it and see and, and see if you like it. I mean, unless you're playing, you know, unless you're money drafting for high amounts or, you know, there's really nothing at stake here except for, you know, having fun. Cube Pro Tour. Mm-hmm. Right. If it's Pro Tour Cube or whatever, you know, sure. Go ahead and, and, and do your tried and true thing. But man, when you're just trying to have a good time and play magic and enjoy yourself, I, I think you're, I think you're definitely doing yourself a disservice by not, by not doing that. I, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I, I know Adam used to try different things all the time. Yeah, well, I want to expand on that point, and uh, one of the things that really has helped me as a Magic player, just like overall Magic player, is using the cube, like, just try different things, like, and even, like, constructed tournaments or whatever, I'll just, like, throw, like, weird things together, like, see see what happens, see what's possible. And you, like, and you... I really think that magic, like, your magic experience, like, you learn, you learn from every game you play, something. And if, if you try and play, like, the same game every time, your skill set's not gonna be that big. But if you try different, try out different things in a, in a cube or anything, that your skill set will, you know, continue to grow. And, uh, and I think that's one of, one of the things that's helped me a ton or whatever. And I see a lot of people just get locked into the same, like, I've seen people play nothing but Primeval Titans, for example, in Standard, and it was like, do you even know how to play a Jace? <laughs> well, I mean, that's, if you remember, Adam, when I was still living in, in Arizona, it was just came a point where I literally just hit, the, I hit the wall on playing aggressive decks. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I I'm, I can't do it with just, like, having the seven cards I draw plus, like, the next seven to eight cards, and that's all I get to try to win the game. And, mm-hmm. like... Made it a point to try to play Merfolk. Made it a point to play Islands. Made it a point to try to do other things. And like I, I, I don't know if I could have even, you know, unless I made a decision to do that and try other things. Like I don't think, you know, as limited as successes I've had with like the counterbalance deck in in Legacy. Like I don't think I could have done that if I if I hadn't made a decision to to keep trying to do other things and expand the way I think about the game. And Cube is a good non middle way. Well, it's non-threatening, I think, too. Non- non-threatening. You don't have to invest a lot into trying something new when you're cube. Right. I don't have to buy four cryptic commands at 20 bucks each to to try to do right. it. I don't have to trade for four Jaces to try to play a deck. I actually don't have to do anything except for to show up and hang out with the guy with the cube. Worst fates in life than <laughs> yeah. hanging out with the guy with the cube. I know. Guys with cubes are usually pretty awesome. Right, Kenny? Oh, show. <laughs> You can tell by the way he speaks. He's pretty awesome. Oh man. Well, I appreciate the compliment. And same to all three of you all here. Oh, thank you. I mean, have you seen the size of that guy's deck? <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say about people with big decks? They play battles with. Yeah, that's what they say. That's that's the snap call. Is that a battle of wits deck? So so uh a friend of a friend of mine and Kenny's, uh, Matt Scott, recently uh, at the Orlando Legacy Open, uh, plays a guy first round. He's like, "Yeah, my opponent was playing like a two hundred and something card deck." He's like, "Non Battle of Wits." 
What? What? Wow. Did he just draw it, or is he just playing a bad deck? Yeah, it was literally just a a, a 230-card, like, kitchen table deck. Oh, man. No. I feel sorry for those people. Like, I'm sure he had a great time. And you know what? And that's important. The yeah. thing is, like, but, I don't know, man. Like, getting your face repeatedly stomped in. Like, I, I'm all down for, you know, 230-card kitchen table decks if the other people have 230-card kitchen table decks. Yeah, but if you're just going to get, like, you know, you know, nut morphic dropped or whatever, like, well, here's my storm combo deck. How's your rampant growth? Mm-hmm. Right. They're like rampant growth. You're like, okay, untap, kill you. It's, yeah, just like the bringing a knife to a gunfight kind of thing. It's like, oh, okay. Was that, was that fun if, for you? If the knife is a plastic knife. Yeah, <laughs> a spork. <laughs> bringing a spork to a gunfight. <laughs> At least you're original, and that's what counts. Right. I mean, come on, people. This is not uh, brain science we're talking about here. <laughs> Make sure you bring a gun to a gunfight. Or bring a brain scalpel. Yeah, like, I, I I think people just need to try new things, like like rocket surgery every once in a while to make sure that yeah. they're okay. Well, you know, i got to operate on those rockets, you know. <laughs> you seriously have never heard that phrase before, rocket surgery? I take that Cricket. As a, I take that as a no. But, yeah, that's like... Yeah. <laughs> Cricket. Um, the term is, uh, it's not rocket science. No, I've heard, it's believe. like a... No, it's like a it's like a mix of you know, like it's not rocket science, it's not brain surgery, and it's like you know a reference to both right. of them. But to me, that just sounds like a mixed metaphor, an unintentional mixed metaphor. No, it's totally intentional. But that's like, again, that's how my brain works. <laughs> but you know, for me, it's like, hey man, you know what? Chicken you know what this reminds me of? Mindless no. What one a bird in hand is worth two mindless nulls in the bush. <laughs> did, did, you, did you want to talk a little bit about card evaluation yeah, as I mean, far as that trying new things goes? Like, I don't know if it's – well, I kind of put like, kind of put an arrow just to emphasize it because I think it's an important thing in terms of, like, the doing it wrong thing. Like, I don't know, it just feels like a lot of the times when people just evaluate cards, they just – and I don't know, maybe this is just my torch or my crusade. I think it's, like, Adam Staborski or in Marshall – uh, Sutcliffe, we're like, but it's just like, so often, at least, not even just in cube, but just in general card evaluation, people just default to like these worst case scenario, best case scenario, extreme card evaluations. Like, I, I don't know why. I was just like, I'm going to go try Eleshenorn in my cube. See how it is. And like, I think somebody on the forum on like, I think it was on like Salvation said like, hey, what do you think of it? And Kenny was like, yeah, it seems pretty good. Usman said he's been trying it. It's been pretty good. And, you know, it seems better than stuff like Eternal Dragon. I think that's how the response went, I think. It was, like, I, I didn't compare it to Eternal Dragon specifically. But, uh, I mean, I just I, I said that uh, you, had, you had good things to say about it. And after looking through my cube, I noticed that it killed basically everything, almost. I mean, I, I mean that's... That's uh, not not exactly, but I mean it, it's it's a giant bomb. And based on my experience with it in the actual limited format, where it's probably the single best card you can have out of all three sets, I'm willing to give it a shot in the cube. Yeah, but it was just like yeah, that's a good that's a good barometer. If it's 
the best limited card in the format. Should probably try it out on cube. Yeah, right, it definitely should warrant a, a look. Yeah, like if it makes a con- you know if it's a constructed staple, it probably warrants a look. If it's you know, there's a bunch of different uh, factors in terms of uh, what you can consider, what you uh, could consider for cube. If it's tearing up constructed, try it out in the cube. Like, not always good. Like Yogmas will not that not the greatest card of all time in the cube. Like it isn't in vintage, but sure. It's, it's definitely worth a try. Yeah. Well, and I've, I've had that argument with people too, where they they start arguing semantics. Well, like correlation does not mean causation and things like that. It's like, but yeah, but like you can argue semantics all you want, but if a card is really good in a constructed format that it was in, and it's really good in the limited format in which it was in, then it's probably a good indicator that you should at least look at it. Yeah. As part of what's going on. Granted, we just spoke about a card earlier today that will likely not be that spectacular in either of those in Chandra's Phoenix. Like, I don't, I mean, that card's probably not going to be any good in constructed necessarily. It might not even, I mean, it might be okay in like M12 draft, but like, I I don't know. I I don't know what the, you know, I don't know what that format is going to be like. Like, why not? I, 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 I'm not French. I don't have the that's yeah. I don't have that the God book. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's but that's a card. You're like, yeah, there are definitely cards that are better in cube than they are in any other respected format that they were in. But I think if they're good in other formats, it's something you need to at least consider for what's going on. Yeah, right. Not everything is format specific. Something some magic cards are just good. Right. Good card is good. Factor Fiction is a good card. The end. Yeah, Grave Titan is bonkers. But I think it's I think it's also just like sometimes when I, I find that people just tend to overemphasize the negatives, like on cards, it's like, well this does blah worse and blah worse and blah worse and then not really just looking at the overall effect of a card, just thinking in worst case scenario or best case. And that doesn't really do anything. Just like I don't know. It just seems like a lot of time when people just theorize on a card and they just think in worst case or best case, they should just try the card out. Even if you're just yeah, putting it in a shell of some deck, like try Elish Norn in a mid-range shell or a control shell and try it out. You know, just make sure your data isn't terrible. And it, Right. Like, I, I think a perfect card of that for that I would really like to try because it's hard for me to gauge how good the card is is uh, Noxious Revival. The, the Phyrexian green mana card instant the uh, reclaim, but you can get a, you can get a card from any yard with yeah, it. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious how good that card is, because like I can think of situations where it's awesome, like where you just have like where it's like the corner case where they're like oh like fast reanimate strategy. You're like no, put it on top of your deck instead. <laughs> I can think of examples where it's absolutely terrible. You know, I can think of situations where it's about right, and it's like, man, I hope my opponent doesn't draw anything. Well, I drew this card, so I'm just going to make sure they draw a pseudo-blank instead to give me an extra turn to win the game. But, like, it's a, it's a card I, I definitely need to play, though, to see where it falls on that scale. They, uh, and yeah. I think that's a card that would be very easy for me if if I wasn't willing to test things out for me to say, this card is going to be awesome because it does these awesome things, or this card is terrible because it's not card advantage, because I'm losing a card, and all it's doing is putting a card on top of my deck. You know what I mean? 
it'd be very easy for me to say one of those things, but where in the middle does it fall? And the only way for me to find out is to is to get it in there and 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 try it. Yeah, New Phyrexia has a a few of those cards actually, like Beast Within or like Immolating Soul Eater and stuff like that that are really hard to evaluate just off the top, you know, without actual experience with them. Yeah, like because I mean, some cards are are very obvious that you know, Porcelain Legionnaire is very obvious that that card's just bonkers, like, mm-hmm. and it, it's just very good. But I I think you're right. I think with the all, all the cards that have the alternate mana cost, where you know you're saving that mana and able to use life as that resource. I think, you know, you have to deserve a look because the cards play a lot differently than things we've seen before. You know, we haven't seen something like this yet. Yeah. You know, yeah. like our, our, our free spells have often come with fairly big drawbacks, like having to discard another card or remove a card of a, you know, two for one in yourself to cast it or, or having pick, to have another card simpler. Right. Or picking up three <laughs> islands to do it or, you know, acting or. Right, right. But, but I think these, the, the, that extra cost or whatever that helps us make it more free, as it were. You know, some spells actually free, but other ones more free. I, I think it's really hard to evaluate those in a, without testing them because we haven't come across anything like that before. And yeah, that's true. But on, on the same on the same wavelength, like we've seen like semi, you know, we've seen spells that are potentially free before. So you like. It's a combination where you can draw on your experiences. Sure. In the past, like, we don't need to test the new, like, 4-2 for 4, four mana, the, the white giant cockroach. <laughs> we don't need to test that guy out. We know that guy's the worst. But, like, with a lot of these other cards, like, our experiences can kind of, you know, if you compare a card to, a, uh, you know, a past card and then use our experiences, then on top of that, like, there's clearly differences. I think, and then that's where you want to like test them out and figure it out like the hard way. Right. Yeah, like uh, spell is a good example of that one too. Yeah. We're like, yeah, you could use your past experience to like a coalition on a guard, but that doesn't do the card justice. You actually have to do the hard work. Right. Yeah, you can you can set up a framework to determine its range of motion on how bad or good it can be, and if it's within acceptable exactly. tolerances, you know, if it's if, if it meets your acceptable tolerances of your experience, then you can put in the work for it. Exactly. I think it's, like, yeah, I think, like, using past experiences has its limits. It's useful, but, I mean, so long as you understand its limitations. Like, I remember when the leveler cards were being posted, and people just had these really polarized, like, oh, well, this dies to... Bullets in response, like Dragon Lord. Dragon Lord sucks because it's a grizzly bear. It dies when you they can just bolt it in response to the fourth level trigger and blah blah blah. Well, the problem was is people were comparing it to Figure of Destiny. Yeah, which yeah. you could. And do then that. all these parts suck. None of them are Figure of Destiny. Right. Yeah. Like I can't uh, block, or you know, I can't do it EOT or whatever. And I think, like, it's just yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. They all suck. Yeah, they're all horrible. Just throw them out. But I think it's just being critical, like, in evaluation. You have to really be objective, like, you know, just, yeah, just be objective. Just use critical thinking, blah, blah, blah. I got so thing, if you're going to compare a card to a past card, like, mm, like Path to Exile, people compare it to Swords of Boshers. Like, wow, this card is definitely worse than Swords of Boshers. 
But that's okay, because Swords of Plowshares was insane. Right, exactly. Like, this card... It's okay to be worse than Swords. Right, exactly. It's like, you know what? Like, I, I just found this huge red gemstone, and you know what? This isn't nearly as good as the diamond I used to own, so this ruby must really be worthless. Oh, wait. Well, Mox Ruby's worth a little bit more than Mox Diamonds, just saying. <laughs> like, if they, uh, if they printed it like a three mana draw three instant speed, like an ancestral for three mana, pretty sure we'd all still be running that card, but, uh, oh, yeah. it's still, uh, it's worse than ancestral, though. Right. I mean, I run that card and it makes you discard an artifact or two other cards. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still pretty darn good. Well, do you, do you guys have anything else as far as the, the actually playing? There, there's a couple things I, I want to talk about as far as the care and maintenance of your cube or, or things like that that I want to touch on real quick. Is there anything else you guys can think of that is a chronic problem for uh, playing cube cards, drafting cube cards? I'm good for now. I've uh, said my piece. Yeah, I think I'm good. Usman, any sort of rocket? Science surgery. I don't know. Brain I'm, 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 surgery. Going to the rocket brains. I'm thinking about mindless nulls with the rocket surgery. You know. Oh my god! You can. Oh my god! They're mindless. Of course, you need to talk about brain science with them. Yeah, exactly. Got to get them. Got to drop that knowledge. Well, they don't need brain surgery or brain. Yeah. What could brain? Because uh, they don't have minds. <laughs> they don't have brains. That's very deep. I mean, Thank you. Can you have a not a mind and still have a brain? I don't know. I don't know. Better get on this. That blows, that blows my mind. But what if you were mindless? Then you would have no mind to blow. I'll think about that. All right, we'll get, back to, get, get back to me on that one. We'll we'll check up for you for homework in a couple of ones in a couple of episodes. Now, what did you remember from checking brain science? Well, the the one thing I want I want to do, and I've noticed people do this with their cube as well, um, and, and I'm. I'm a little guilty of it, but I try to do it when I can, is people leave the same sleeves on their cube all the time. Like, year after year, especially if people have uh, sweaty hands, we had uh, – there was a, a guy in Ohio who had infamous sweaty hands, and all of his cards used to – you know, I'm sure you guys have seen them on the sleeves – used to accumulate those little black dots. And it came to the point where we just referred to that as hunk of dirt, <laughs> because every single time, like, all his cards and all his sleeves just had these black, you know, little friendlies on it. Guys, change your sleeves every, you know, every so often. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, every six months or whatever. But if you, you know, if you have your cube and you have it for a while, every couple of years, please change the sleeves. I mean, you, have, you know, not only is it kind of gross, but, you know, who knows? We, you know, we don't even want to talk about germs and stuff like that. But change them out every so often. Um, if it's, if it's a cost issue, you can often buy from online retailers or if you go, if you ever go to a Grand Prix, I have never not gotten a deal on sleeves. If I walk up to them and say, oh, hey, by the way, I'd like to buy 10 packs of these. What's the best price you can give me? They're going to cut you a deal. And you know what? If, if it's still too high, you know what? There are lots of people who, I'm sure, are lots of people who play your cube. If you were like, hey, man, I'm going here this weekend and I'd really like to, to re-sleeve it. Can any of you guys like chip in a couple of bucks so I can resleeve it for this free entertainment that I provide you guys all the time? I think most reasonable people would do that. That's that's just the way I feel about it. No, no, I definitely agree. Uh, most most Q play groups are reasonable like that, and they'll pitch in a few. 
And if you and if you guys out there have have super nice cubes, if you're running a lot of foil cards, if you're running a lot of foreign cards, if you if you want to protect your investment, please just invest some money in perfect fit sleeves. They're literally, I mean, the the perfect fit sleeves last forever because those those are the types you do not have to um, replace because they never get crap on them. Yeah, because they're never being touched. They never get crap on them. Maybe you want to replace them every once in a while. Sometimes they'll get a little bit of surface wear, but literally I'm only seeing surface wear on my inner sleeves now after like four or five years of having them. And every once in a while I'll replace them. But they can just literally stay on them all the time. They're going to protect your you know, investment for, for whatever that's worth. You know, we can get into a whole discussion about whether magic cards are an investment or not. But, you know, if it's something, you know, you should be playing like the stock market. But the fact is, guys, if you're, if you're spending money on them or you're, or they're worth money, just, you know, and perfect fits are actually pretty cheap too. And it's probably another thing you can pick up for a uh, close to nothing, you know, close to nothing compared to say, I don't know. A cube. A cube. Or even a sort of war and peace. I mean, you can probably cube, you can probably intersleeve your entire cube for less money than it would to buy a, a sort of war and peace right now. How much are sort of war and pieces? Uh, their full retail is thirty right now. Huh. Oh, okay. So you can get them for cheaper than that on eBay or whatever. But even so, like intersleeves, you can buy them now for like two bucks for a hundred, three bucks for a hundred. Wow. So. You can do some pretty good work for for that amount of stuff. So that's I don't know, man. That's those are. I feel like we've covered a lot. I feel like we've we've done a lot. Um, I don't know how long we've been talking about this, but I, I have a feeling we might have to break this up into two parts for a little easier digest digestible chunks for people. It's, so it's about two hours. It's not too bad. Oh, it's not too bad. It just feels. I guess uh, with my impending dentist appointment tomorrow morning, I just feel the time a little more keenly. Oh, jeez, yeah. So, well, you know, that's that's about it for me. I think we covered a, a, a lot of good stuff here and, and, you know, talked about stuff we see people doing wrong all the time. And I feel accomplished. Yeah, I, I feel like we did something. Anybody anybody else have anything they'd like to add and something they want to get off their chest? Uh, I feel like I know a lot more about rocket surgery than I did two hours ago. <laughs> that's true. I mean, you know, you got to learn these. <laughs> also, uh, learned that Power Grammo sucks and I hate it. <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> real quick, the, the, this program Usman tried to buy to re, to record the program literally did not want him did not want to take his money. Yeah, He's like, just... hey, thank you for letting me use the free version of your software, but I'd like to use something. I'd like to pay for the full version. And they're like, nah, we don't want your money. We can't accept it from a free email address. I'm like, who bought, who pays for email? We, we're they're too good for Gmail. It's like. I have my headset wrapped around a speaker. Like, sorry, Power Grandma, no 30 bucks for you. They're like, hey, I'd like to give you $30. All you have to do is let me do this. They're like, no, sorry, you can't do that. I mean, we've, Adam and I have come across this at gaming stores a lot, too, where, like, it's just like, hey, I'm willing to spend money here if if you do this. And they're like, nah, we don't do that here. What? Like what? Like, I, I... I wish I could think of specific examples, but like even I mean, there's there's a, a store that I used to attend that just has notoriously horrible employees, huh. and like you go up to the counter to try to pay for something or have them look for something, and you're just like, nah, I'm not going to do that. 
One of one of the bigger stores here in Phoenix has zero inventory in their store. Like you cannot buy magic cards from them. Like if you ask to buy magic cards from them, they'll tell you to go to order them online. What? That's not a joke. Like singles or packs also. Singles. Huh. And they have a huge and they have a ton of cards, but they just don't. From my understanding, they just don't keep them in their store anymore. That seems. Uh, like a mistake. Yeah. Uh, they also run all the PTQs. Huh. Oh, that's awkward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't come to PTQs in Arizona without a deck. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah. Looks like them in Power Grandma are going to have to go to her a fight for worse business practices or <laughs> more self-destructive <laughs> business practices. <laughs> uh, oh, dear. It's, it's, so, it's so infuriating. Hey, I'd like to give you some money and support your business. Nah. No, we're good. No, we're good. <laughs> I mean, I, I've heard horrifying, horrifying stories, too, of people getting banned from stores because, hey, where did you get those sleeves? I don't sell those kind of sleeves here. Well, I bought them online. Okay, well, you're not allowed to come in here anymore because I could have ordered those sleeves for you. What? Hmm? What? That store, luckily for us, that store is no longer open. <laughs> I wonder why. I mean, that's really good. Have you guys encountered the, we don't want you keeping here because you're not spending money? Well, th- you know what it is around here that I've uh, come across? It's, you didn't play in the tournament, so we charge $5 an hour for table fees for you to play. What? Wow. Ugh. The I tournament can't... is over, so if you want to stay and keep playing Magic, you have to pay $5 an hour. That's really lame. I get the people flaking out. That like That's the fun part. <laughs> it's like, hey, we have people here to cube. Cool. I think I'll drive over. And tumbleweed. That's that's right. not high right there. You show up and everybody's playing EDH. Yeah, I want to play test EDH. I don't want to cube. Dude, I, I want to try out my new Scion of the Your Dragon deck. <laughs> I gotta play test that. You know, you gotta really get that data in there. Is that ten mana? Numbers. Is I'm playing. I'm planning on going infinite at the next Star City Open weekend on EDH events. <laughs> you gotta make sure. You know. Hey man, don't hate on EDH. Some people will just like playing Magic. Hey, I like playing Magic, too. I'm just saying. I love probably, EDH. Hey, somewhere in the world, there's an EDH podcast going on right now making fun of cube players. I hope so. Because when you play cube, you don't win anything. You gotta, you can't grind out, you can grind out EDH cues at Star City Opens, but you can't grind out cube cues. Although you should be able to. That'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah. Like in the cube, right I can never. Uh, like EDH just gives me that 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 place where I can just combine Mira and a guy's cradle and Avengers in the car to kill an entire table. Like I just, it just fills a hole in me that kids <laughs> just can't fill. You know, like I love them both. Like well, it's like chocolate. It's, it's like, like choosing between your children. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. Be a bad parent. I, I, I am just. I am just so bad at building multiplayer decks. I, I just can't do it. I'm so bad at it. Just gotta think big. Really, really big. I would I'm just... so used to getting my plans disrupted from playing 1v1 all the time that I just can't be like, oh hey, I'm gonna build this deck with this four card combo and everything combined it costs 32 mana. <laughs> like, it's so hard for me to think that way. Like, when I play, you know, all I know is that when I, you know, have put an EDH thing, people are like, oh, you want to play EDH or play multiplayer? I'm like, do you have any killer bees? 
because I remember all the people around me growing up always played Killer Bees in their decks. That card was worth <laughs> money. Back Killer Bees and Orenson's Aura. Is that the one that's like one in? Hey, Anthony, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> Orenson's Aura is uh, a like, three mana Ice Age enchantment. Yeah, and it's like sacks for a blue. That you could pay. It's a white enchantment. You could pay a white to sacrifice an enchantment to kill another one, or you could pay five mana, which was two blue, and counter an enchantment spell. Hey, wow. Yep. That's some How do you feel about that one, Mr. Battle of Wits? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Glad I didn't run to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the uh, the friend of mine who played Burn at a uh, at a legacy event, and the first thing he asks me is, what if people are playing Leyline of Sanctity? To which I laughed and said, nobody plays Leyline of Sanctity in Legacy. Guess what he lost to in round one. <laughs> <laughs> did, did I tell you about the story about, like, so in Arizona, there are a bunch of burn decks floating around. Like, you know, there's three or four burn decks at every Legacy tournament, more or less. Some, okay. some people run Leyline of Sanctity. I mean, if you play... There's definitely yes. an instance where someone went, turns zero Leyline. Out of his Team America deck, of all things. What? Oh, nice. And then, and then lost. Reliably. He lost? Goblin Guide? Was that involved? Uh, yeah, Goblin Guide's uh, the, the old deal two to myself, Calder Marauder play. <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine there was uh, some price to be paid for progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, wow. so it only invalidates about, like, you know, 75% of the deck. So if you get there with the other 25%, you did it. Was that, that, was that mainboarded in Team America or sided? No, no, no. Side, it was a sideboard game. Okay. Wow. And the guy who won is, uh, actually was just like, I sided out all my things that, like, I sided out all my lava spikes. Huh. Wow. So they only go to their face. Okay. I can't two for one myself to help Tarma Boys with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. Magic's a fun game. It yeah. sure is. Especially when you get a chance to uh, to do a podcast with uh, three other awesome people. So oh, hopefully you. next week those three awesome people will show up and we'll have a good time. That's very true. I plan on it. Nothing. Nothing, huh, guys? All right. What? Fine. What happened? Fine. You're awesome, too, Anthony. I yes. Tr- tried to subtly insult some people. No one laughed. All right. Fine. Huh? <laughs> You're too smart for us, Anthony. I, I think that's the... Uh, I'm like the Dennis Miller of Q podcasting. I was too busy doing <laughs> rocket brain surgery. <laughs> Usman's brain is still having science over there. Those two teams aren't going to get there on their own. Well, very cool, guys. I'm glad you guys decided to uh, to, to spend some time with the two of us and uh, talk about some awesome cube stuff. And you know what? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, hey. definitely. Thanks for having me. Well, cool. I'm glad you guys were able to uh, able to do it, and hopefully, get a chance to do it again sometime. If you guys would be uh, down for a future invitation, I'm sure we'd be we'd love to have you. So, I'm in. Yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, uh, hope you guys in, enjoyed the podcast. Um, no, uh, no rock over London this week. 
But uh, I was that was I was looking forward to you and uh, Anthony and Usman's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like one person has gotten that reference. Does that David uh, Merton Jonesy like t- post around? I'm like, yes, he gets it. <laughs> oh, no, our roommate, our roommate for uh, for Indianapolis got got it too. Dan. Oh yeah. Okay, two two people he, out of. How yeah, you guys, you guys, you guys did it. <laughs> we did it. We Dennis Miller. We Dennis Millered everybody. <laughs> So we, we could do a, a rock over London without a magic slogan and just like talk about a card or something or just. Nope, we've talked about it too much now. We can't do it. Oh man, it's too passe now. Aww. it's like when you have to explain your joke. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the worst. Like the white weenie trap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought I had it, but apparently not. Chime in on the forums and tell me if you got the white weenie trap joke. <laughs> if you lulled when you heard the white weenie trap was a hole in the side of the box, please leave a comment and you can contact us at MTG the Third Power at gmail.com. Wow. Or Twitter accounts. Usman's Twitter account is Usman the Rad. My Twitter account is Antney42. Or you can let us know on the podcast forum. Or you can go to the thread, also at MTG Salvation. Yep. You really got that voice down. Why, thank you very much there, Kenny Mayer. I appreciate your candor. Was it a, is it kind of an homage to, uh, I was going to say, well, it feels an homage to the Macho Man, rest in peace, or something. Oh, oh, Randy I'm, Macho. I'm like the Duff guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, make sure you play that land before that searing place, because I'm going to deal three to you and your creature. <laughs> oh, yeah. Take three, sucker. All right, I'm done. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> If you laughed at Adam's joke, please let us know in the forums. <laughs> all right, guys. 40 minutes later. Thanks for, thanks for uh, podcasting. That's all we got for uh, for this time, and uh, we'll we'll see you next week. Peace out, everybody. Peace. Peace. Yeah.